What is going on everyone? This is Miles Dompierre and welcome to the 98th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today, I'm stoked to be joined by my good buddy and host of the Kinda Funny X-Cast, the legendary Snow Bike Mike. Mike, how you doing on this fine Saturday, my dude? Miles, I'm doing really, really well. Happy to return and hang out with you for another Xbox Chatterdays. And I'm blown away, 98 episodes, dude. Congratulations, yeah, big we're dog. About to hit that century marker. About to hit the big one, hundy. Yeah, it's it's wild to think about that this show has been going for a few years. I know you've been on a couple times, but it's actually been a little while. Yeah. It doesn't like when I reach out to guests, I'm always like, man, I just had Mike on or I just had so and so on. And then I look and I'm like, oh, damn, it's been like eight months, actually, or like seven <laughs> months. Damn, so time flies. Yeah, we're on episode 98, inching towards the big 100. And so uh, excited let's to have park you the on. bus really quick. Congratulations, Miles. Like big shout out to you, man, for taking on this and just doing a great job. I know the community really loves hanging out with you on a nice Saturday morning, talking all things Xbox and video games and hitting that century mark as someone who just recently did it with the Xbox uh, X cast episode. Thank you for everything that you do, man. I hope you have a great guest for 100. Do you have any dream guests here that you're going to bring on yeah i mean i'm working on some stuff i can't say okay. anything yet okay and everything's, working. Okay, everything's up in the air um but yes i do have some some targets that i've been talking to behind the scenes so we'll see if the stars align i will have a really cool guest but um yeah not gonna over over hype or over commit anything just okay. yet okay. there okay. i like that i like that i like that but mike appreciate you man appreciate you, the kind words appreciate everyone who tunes into the show you know i've always joke about how it's it's weird that anyone cares about what any of us think about video games and and want to be a part of the conversation so to see returning people every week dropping in the chat and leaving comments and and showing support online it's awesome it's 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 great love to do the show love to have folks like you come on and talk video games with me and we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff today we're going to be talking about the big starfield release date we're going to be talking about Capcom Showcase, some Resident Evil 4 Chainsaw Demo impressions. We're going to be talking about, of course, this is an Xbox podcast. So we're going to be talking about Activision Blizzard King acquisition, the juicy drama, the developments, the smoke, the fire that's been culminating around that. We're going to be talking about Suicide Squad getting a little delay. We're going to be talking about Halo Infinite Season 3 and so much more. But before we get into all of that, for folks who maybe don't know, let everyone know who Snowbike Mike is and where they can find you. Miles, you know what? I'm like the yin to your yang. You know, we're like, <laughs> we're brothers. We're long lost brothers that are meant to be together. <laughs> of course, I'm Snowbike Mike. I'm from Kind of Funny Games. Of course, you can catch me over there with the X-Cast with my two gaming dads, Ferris Lilly and Gary Widow, where we talk all things Xbox, just like Miles in this audience does. And then, of course, you can catch me over on Kind of Funny, where we're streaming five days a week. Uh, so I guess I'm a streamer podcaster, Xbox enthusiast, the guy who just, you know, wants to bring some enthusiasm and fun to your day. And what I like doing is celebrating others' enthusiasm. I'm really excited to hear what Miles is high and excited about on right now and what also he's a little critical on. That's my favorite part about talking video games with you. We're going to have some fun. There's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. There's going to be some critical stuff to discuss as well. But yes, love you. We always have a good time. You always bring the energy. So there's going to be a lot of fun stuff to dive into. Before we get into the show proper today, some quick housekeeping. If you haven't joined or if you haven't heard, Xbox Chatterdays now has a little Discord channel. So if you want to keep the conversation going after the show, pop in there. There's a link in the description. Um, we do some community Q&A at the end of the show now. There's a lot of fun, you know, 
Xbox-centric topics, but a bunch of video games, entertainment topics in the Discord as well. Some shout-outs to our channel members. We got Derek Griffin-Jones, Patrick, Simco, Synodex, Anthony, Nick W, Assassin, and some extra special shout-outs to our producers, Hargeet Chani and Mr. Joanna Dark. The legends, the keeper of the chatter. Two lore, great people right there. Mr. I see all the Xbox content, man. Shout just, out just, to both of them. Yeah, and shout out to Yodani as well, who's a legend, modding like a boss, joining us pretty much every single Saturday to keep out the riffraff, keep the chat flowing. Oh. And Mike, let's dive straight into the show today because this is going to be a very Capcom-centric show because Ooh. Capcom has a lot of... They dropped a lot of information this week. They had their Capcom showcase on Thursday, which gave us looks into Resident Evil 4, Exo Primal, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, and a bunch of other Capcom-centric announcements. So we're going to be covering a few of the bigger ones here today. First up is the biggest piece of this, and that was Resident Evil 4 and the Chainsaw demo. So at the very end of the showcase, they announced that, bam, you can play Resident Evil 4 demo right now. A nice little shadow drop for this beta, and it is a little slice of the intro of the game. Some fun nods to history. Um, when Resident Evil 4 was a GameCube exclusive back in the day, if you pre-ordered the game, they gave you a demo disc. And the slice of that demo disc is pretty much the same slice of this demo here. So it's kind of a, a fun little nod to the past. So Mike, have you dove into the Chainsaw demo? And, and I guess, let's start with, are you a big Resident Evil 4 fan? Yeah, yeah, let's let's rewind time here because actually, Miles, I've said this many times before. My Resident Evil journey actually started with five. So oh, when I okay. first picked up Resident Evil, it was five, six, seven, eight. And then of course I got lucky with the Resident Evil two and three remakes, which were really, really great. So like five and the movies were my introduction into Resident Evil. So I've never played four. I've heard all about it, of course, from fans around the world because it seems like two and four seem to be the big dogs in the series, right? Everybody talks about them all the time. And so been lucky to play two, never have played four. And I did jump in to the Chainsaw demo last night. And, you know, I have some thoughts. I really, I'm a sucker for a good demo. I think it's really dope when teams like this drop a demo just a couple of weeks ahead of the game's release because then fans can go check it out on whatever platform they like, get excited about it, and maybe even drive some pre-sales. So I love this a lot. On the flip side, kind of short miles, kind of, you know, I don't yeah. want to say I'm disappointed, but I do like, I appreciate the setup, right? Like now I know Leon S. Kennedy is back. Hey, it's six years after what I saw in Resident Evil 2. The dude's been on the grind. Okay. He's been working on his <laughs> kick smiles and I appreciate Oh yeah. Boys, because... boys been hitting the gym. Boys been getting <laughs> jacked up. Someone's teamed up with Sanji from One Piece and this guy's just throwing <laughs> feet. Okay. But like, I like the, I like the setup. I really, of course, the game looks beautiful, right? That's to be expected. But I was kind of a little shocked. I was looking for more of a jump scare or two out of this demo. I thought it'd be more reminiscent of Resident Evil 7 when they did the kitchen demo and kind yeah. of getting the jump scare out of that one. So I, I will say on the scare side, which is why I go to Resident Evil, a little disappointed. On the action side, of course, it was turned up to 11. Boy, howdy, was it. They ramped a lot of the action in this up. Resident Evil 4 was always, it was kind of, it's a beloved game. A lot of people consider it one of the greatest of all time. But for Resident Evil fans at the time, and in hindsight, it's kind of a polarizing game in some ways because it's when they started leaning into the action more mm. than they were leaning into the horror. So Resident Evil 4, while it kept its horror roots in a lot of ways, ramped up the action compared to Resident Evil 2 and 3 in huge ways. 
transformative change to the overall gameplay of this. And while you get sick stuff like roundhouse kicks and, and pile drivers, um, some would argue that that takes away from the horror. When you're you know, roundhouse kicking someone's head off, it's, it's less scary, I think, generally speaking. So I, I do understand the, the criticism about the, the scares here. We've had a lot of weird timed demos with Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. They did the, you can play for 30 minutes. You can oh, play yes. this little slice. for. So I'm glad that that's gone. You can replay this as many times as you want. But it is a cool introduction to the game. Like you said, it gives you some, some context for what happens between Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 4. And I think that it does it in a much better way. Because I've replayed Resident Evil 4 about six months ago. And right after playing the, the chainsaw demo, I went back and reinstalled and played this exact same slice. And you don't really, they don't do a good job explaining why, why Leon works for the president. Like, he's oh, just, okay. he, it's just like kind of in, in the original. It's, it's, oh yeah, I work for the president now because stuff went down in Raccoon City. But in this, they do a better job of like explaining like, oh, well, he's forced. The government forced him into this secret military program where he's got to do knife fights and roundhouse kick training to get himself ready for this very moment. So there's a little more context for that. And then some moments are darker and grittier. And then some moments are more ridiculous. So Resident Evil 4, some of the most iconic one-liners of all time. When, I, when, I, when they first announced that they were remaking Resident Evil 4, I thought to myself, they're probably going to dial those back. They're probably going to try to lean more into the horror like they did with RE2, make it a little darker, make it a little scarier. No, that's not the case. In fact, I think they have ramped up the number of one-liners. So there's a scene when you're in the house, you've just had the reveal of the first infected monster in this world because they make a point to say, these aren't zombies, these are infected living creatures. So you're, you're in the house, there's the tension, you're fighting one, you get up to the stairs, you lock yourself in the room, one uses an axe, cuts through the door, pops in, there's a whole swarm of them, you're surrounded, and then Leon says, I'll just see myself out, and does a barrel flip yes. out of the window. And you're like, okay. okay, man, all right, love that. And then you have the big moment when, when all of the villagers come and, and swarm you, you see your, your dead partner. You're running around, you're trying to survive this onslaught, and there's a cow. You, you saw this in one of the trailers. There's a cow in a barn, and there's a, a lantern hanging above the cow. So Leon, being the, the complete sociopath that he is in this world, he lights the cow on fire, shoots the lantern down. The, the, the lantern hits the cow. The cow, in a frenzy, on fire, burning alive, <laughs> runs out and charges into people. And Leon Kennedy says, bill me for the repairs. It's like, oh my God. So it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. It's nonsense. And they are definitely not taking this remake seriously in terms of changing the tone. They are keeping the tone very much what you know and love about Resident Evil 4. So I'm excited for folks like you to dive in for the very first time who've, who've never played the original. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the differences are. Um, First thing is that the game feels so much better. The game, I yes. went back immediately after playing, played the original, and it, it's playable. Don't get me wrong. But when this was first revealed, a lot of people were online saying, why are they bothering? Resident Evil 4 still holds up really well. There's no point in doing a remake. And I would say from a gameplay perspective, yeah, there's a, there's a huge difference between the original and this. So automatically, just everything feels so much better. So I'm curious to see if your, your first introduction was Resident Evil 5. Uh, are you hoping then that after this Resident Evil 4 remake ships that they, 
they go in and, and remake five? Oh, absolutely not, Miles. No, no, I never <laughs> want to play Resident Evil Five ever again. And you know, oh, I, I no. think people think people dunk on six. I believe is where we go. And like some people, like you know, a positive on five, but like five and six for me was like, ooh, this is really bad. Like I didn't know this is what we were doing. Sure, the action was good, but like. It wasn't scary like I wanted it. And then seven came and I'm like, oh, okay, this is why I'm here, right? Like, it's always been fun. So, no, I, I don't want them to go back to five at all. I'm actually really pleased, you know, Miles, you and I, with all the years we've been gaming and all the remakes and remasters we've always dreamt of, I am happy to see Resident Evil fans get their due, right? Like, yeah. two, three, four, five is still, you know, I don't want to say quote unquote new, but like still playable. And like, you look at the catalog, it's like, man, all of those games now were like, ready to rock and roll for anyone at any time on any system you can yeah. go have fun with, which is pretty rad to say, you know? I love hearing that your first introduction was five, and I love that you <laughs> felt that Resident Evil 5 was a terrible game because yes, yes. you're like, you're diving into this legendary franchise that so many people have revered and talked about for years. And you're like, yeah, let's see what this is about. Let's see what this action is about. Yeah. You dive in, you're like, yo, this is it. This is what, this is what the hype's been. When we uh, had to do the finale where the boulder was in my way and I had to smash the buttons to bu punch oh, dude, out the boulder. Come on. That's when I knew I was like, I, I'm never going to play this again. This oh, is the end oh dude. Oh. <laughs> Resident Evil 5. I'm torn. Resident Evil 5 in some ways is a bad Resident Evil game, but it's such a good co-op game. It's so much fun. And I'm I'm like, I'm nostalgic for that area era. So now I'm kind of bummed that. Resident Evil has moved completely away from co-op because mm. as much as five and six were, you know, had they had their problems for sure. They were so damn fun. And it was so good to get a buddy and play through that nonsense together. Doing the boulder punching. You you have one friend mashing the boulder. Then you have your other friend playing a Sheva up on the hill with a rocket launcher. It's yes. Just, oh, it's just, it's just beautiful. My that, that is rad when you talk about that because I do love a good co-op game, Miles. Yeah, shout out yeah. to those co-op experiences. Shout out to the co-op. So bring it back, all right? I'm ready for it. I know some people are like, please, God, leave Resident Evil 5 in the past. Me, I'm saying, let's go. Keep it going, baby. But if you take away co-op in RE5, then we'll have a problem. All right, There's then the then we're going to have some problems. My introduction was, I remember being in Toys R Us as like a really little kid. I want to say I was probably six or seven. Like I was really, really young. And I remember <laughs> I was torn between uh what was the pikachu tamagotchi there's like a surfing pikachu tamagotchi oh, i forget amazing. what it was called yes. it was like a pedometer where you would make pikachu surf so i had that in my hand and then i had resident evil director's cut for playstation one in my hand and i was going back and forth and i was like do i want this little pikachu tamagotchi and i was like nah this one looks cooler so i i remember like bringing resident evil director's cut to my mom when i was like six in toys r us and she's like Okay, sure, you, you can play this. And that was my first introduction. I remember there being scared out of my mind, playing it for 15 minutes at a time because I didn't want to go around any corners. It was, oh. it was, once the first zombie was revealed, that game's short, but it probably took me like months to beat because I was only playing in little slices. I would call my neighbor over to be like, because he was a little bit older, he was a teenager. So I would call him over and be like, hey, can you like play this for me? amazing and he, and he didn't have a playstation so he's like sick yeah let's go and so i basically watched my neighbor play through resident evil for me because it was too scary oh i love that yeah that's my only that's my only downfall for resident evil when i look at seven and eight right it's like the horror aspects of it are so good but then at a point it just turns into the full-on action and i lose those jump scares right i think about the dollhouse in eight i think Ooh. about leaving like 
the house setting in seven. And like, after that, I just kind of, it just drops so hard for me where it just becomes an action game. And I wish there was just another peak in horror somehow to get me back into it. Because after the dollhouse for me, it was like, man, I really crashed on all of the fun and like the scare factor that I'm looking for. Yeah. Resident Evil seven, in my opinion, the first 75, 80% is like the perfect horror game. The pacing yes. is great. The tension is great. And then, like you said, in typical Resident Evil fashion, the back end of the game kind of becomes like you're over the top action game. Um, yeah. And there's there's a conflict because some people love Resident Evil 4 and that was an over the top action game pretty much the entire time. And some people who grew up playing Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2, they want that horror. They want the scares. And so that's been this balance. Resident Evil 7 focused on horror. Resident Evil Village focused more on action. Resident Evil 4 is going to focus more on action as well. So I'm wondering where Resident Evil 9 is going to go. If they're going to try to strike that balance again, lean more into horror, or if they're going to just say, you know what? People want the action. Boom. Here you go. Resident yep. Evil 9. Chaos. All action. Michael Bay's directing Resident Evil 9. Like a, That's kind of... That was Resident Evil 6 in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm excited. I'm, so are you playing this day one then? After, after oh yeah, this? 100%. This will be day one. All the lights turned off probably on stream and I'll be screaming and yelling. So I'm really excited about it, Miles. Like this is a, a sweet treat to start the year. And we've been pretty lucky. We've had a great start to the year so far as gamers. And so, yeah, this is high on the list of must plays. Yeah, buddy. Love hearing I that. I should have probably played this in VR, to be honest with you. Ooh. Like I have that meta quest behind me. I should have played that in VR. I don't know why I didn't. But, you know, they brought that over to VR quite some time ago. I should have done that. I haven't tried it in VR, but I've heard great things about Resident Evil 4 in VR. So that okay, is, okay. you know, I, I've bought Resident Evil 4 on GameCube, PS2, Xbox 360, Wii, Xbox One, and Switch. Oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm the problem. You know, when people say like, why is did this they your favorite one? It's not my favorite one. Okay. okay. My favorite okay. one is probably Resident Evil 2. It's probably a two-way tie between Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 7. On. but i love okay almost okay. every i i'm even a resident evil 6 sympathizer all right like resident evil 6 isn't a great game but it's also fun so i'll i've played through resident evil 5 and 6 the most because they're co-op but i also understand they're not they're not the best but i don't hate them i don't, I don't okay. hate them okay but i'm a i'm a two and village guy i'm gonna say yeah I'm a two and village guy the back half of seven really burned me i wasn't happy with the back half of yeah, once you get to the cult, once you get to the boat, that game yeah, kind of boat, falls apart. Ooh, big drop off, big drop big, off. Yeah, and it was just it sucks because you're riding a high up until the point you're like, oh my god, they're doing it, <laughs> they're doing it, and then they they stop doing it pretty hard, pretty fast, and then you spend two hours going, what, <laughs> what happened here? All right, um. Quick shout out to all the amazing people joining us live. I see Hargit Chani in the chat. I see Infinite Umbra. I see Monkey vs. Tramps, Cryptopsy, Assassin. So many amazing returning faces. If you are new, we are live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're digging the show, hit that like button. Share it out. We have a lot of video game stuff to talk about. Next up in this, cop, in this Capcom showcase, XO Primal, which has been a game that started with a trailer that many people believed was going to be Dino Crisis Remake, baby. Dino <laughs> Crisis Reboot. Yep. And then they quickly shifted to, oh no, this is like uh, Earth Defense Force meets Overwatch. Okay, that's, this definitely isn't Dino Crisis. And since then, there's been a, a divide, I think, amongst community members. The hardcore who want Dino Crisis, and then the people who look at this and say, well, this just looks like dumb fun. 
And so we got the release date. It is now coming on July 16th, and it is launching day one in Xbox Game Pass. So if you're unaware of what Exoprimal is, it's a PvPVE game where you basically choose a class, fight other mechs, and then fight like thousands of dinosaurs. It's just, it's literally raining dinosaurs from the sky, and you were just mowing down dinosaurs while competing in these objective-based PvP modes. Mike, is this, have, have you played this? Have you been part of any of the playtesting or beta? And I have is, not been any part of the playtesting. I didn't even know it was PV, PvP. I thought it was just going to be more like you said, uh, Earth Defense Force meets maybe like a Left 4 Dead with a bunch of just dinosaurs in my way. I didn't know there was going to be other teams I was going to be competing against. Now you're selling me. Now oh, okay. I was going to yeah. ask you where, you, where you, where do you stand on this based on what we've seen so far? Looks like a ton of dumb fun. I don't expect this to be, you know, a top 10 contender for game of the year. Maybe off the fun and enjoyment of co-op experience, it might be in my top 10 because I'm that multiplayer guy. But uh, I don't expect this to move the needle in visual quality. I just expect it to be a good fun time for a weekend, maybe two maximum. I'm, I'm curious to see what the tale of this game is going to be because they introduced a battle pass. So yes. in the showcase, we got to see the battle pass. And at this point, I think a lot of people, when they see a battle pass in most games that aren't your Call of Duty War Zones and your Fortnites, they go, oh, here we go. Another battle pass, another grind. So it seems like they have plans for ongoing content. It seems like they want to have some sort of ongoing plan for Exoprimal. And I got to say, I've heard really good things from people who have been playtesting it. I hear the feel of the game is great. Uh, it's a lot of chaotic action. Again, I'm a huge fan of Earth Defense Force. I'm, you know, I come from the era when you could just put out a game in the world that was, hey, kill, st kill these big bugs or kill these big monsters. And that was it. There wasn't really any a compelling story. There wasn't a huge loop to the gameplay. It was just get a new gun and kill stuff for 30 minutes. So that kind of harkens back to that. And I yes. understand that things have changed. The landscape has changed. People's expectations for games change. And it seems like Exoprimal is a callback to that while trying to implement your PvP systems, your battle passes, your ongoing games, your class-based systems. So I'm hoping it lands, and I think Xbox Game Pass is going to automatically give it some some bit of a boost here. Big um, boost. But I'm excited. Overall, I'm pretty excited for Exoprimal. I think that was a really cool get for Xbox Game Pass because a lot of stuff, you know, that I think a lot of people were on the fence, and if this was a standard full-price launch, that maybe the player base out of the gate would be, you know, not what it needed to be to thrive and succeed. But I think getting that injection of game pass straight away i think is going to solidify you know some of the skeptics because i think with these games it always comes down to how it feels you look at it and you say mm, i don't know that that's for me i really don't know that that's for me and if i'm unsure i don't really want to spend 60 dollars on it to see if i'd like it so i think having that game pass option is gonna going to help and there's an open beta that starts on march 17th as well so if yeah. you are unsure on march 17th that weekend you can you can dip your toes in and see if see if exoprimal once and for all is going to be your jam i mean shout out another good demo you know the beta coming out uh just next weekend so we're gonna know if this is hot or not miles which is what is most important to me right we're gonna figure out if we wanted to play this at all xbox game pass is a massive win this is a game right here miles where it's like all right, that's a $40 title. Like, put price that at $40. Maybe you'll get more people. You know, I don't know where this is going to fall, but 
I'm excited to try it. I really loved Day Z back in the day. That was a great one. Um, I loved what we saw with uh, Dead by Daylight and that other one that just came out that I played for a weekend and never played again. Uh, but all these games are fun <laughs> co-op. That's what I'm always looking for. It's just like, give me a good weekend of fun, Miles. And that's all it needs to be. If they can give me a tight 10 to 15 hour campaign that me and four of my friends can go through and kill a bunch of dinosaurs and then never come back to, that's good with me. I don't, I'm not going to grind a battle pass in this game. Yeah, I've, I went through and replayed World War Z recently. I yes, picked it up at launch and I didn't so really connect with it, but they've added a bunch of updates and it was one of those things where we just played through the campaign. It was a good 12 hours. And we felt satisfied and we're like, all right, we played for 12 hours. We can move on to the next thing. And I think that's why some some people are looking at this and saying, OK, well, am I going to have to grind to get anything worthwhile or can I just enjoy the experience for what it is and play it? Like you said, play it for a couple weekends and go, all right. I'm I'm cool. I'm I've had my fill. I'm moving on to the next thing. So I'm curious. A lot of people are curious, and I'm definitely gonna be checking out that beta on the 17th to see see what it's all about. That's so interesting. We live in a world now where I think people are, you know, maybe game publishers and developers are afraid of what we just said there. Of like, oh, they only want to play it for a week and then dip, right? Like now it's hey, we gotta have a battle pass, we gotta have ongoing content, we gotta have this living, breathing world where we're just gonna keep you here trapped months on end because everybody wants to be Fortnite, right like everybody wants a piece of that ongoing games pie and i think a lot of players are maybe burnt out on that or they're like hey i'm already putting my time into destiny Fortnite, world of warcraft all these living online games that like i'm here for a good time not a long time <laughs> and i think maybe some developers out there might want to take a lesson from that and understand that like if you smack somebody with a solid 10 the 15 hour, maybe 20 hour campaign where they're just going to have fun for a couple weekends and then dip that that's a win in many people's eyes right now. Everything I see on social media, people celebrate those kind of games lately because they already have 20 games as a service that they're buying for their time. Like it is with a good one and then leave and it's just fine. That's what will be celebrated. Exactly. Not every single game wants to be the only game you play, but that's not how people play video games anymore it's it's statistically proven that the average person who plays video games is playing a wider variety variety of video games than they ever have before so when everyone is coming into this arena that's already saturated with fortnite and other big juggernaut established games as a service title and trying to be a games as a service title we only have so much time mike like when someone <laughs> tells me a game is 50 hours now i say i'm sorry i'm probably never playing it i'm you, you know what you, you, you lost me you know, at 50 hours, I can play, like, if I could play three other tight 10, 12-hour experiences in that window, let's go, baby. One of the hey, looking at Hi-Fi Rush. I'm looking at you, Hi-Fi Rush. I'm thinking about you still. One of the greatest example. video games of all time is What Remains of Edith Finch. That game is two hours long. That game is a two-hour video game I would have paid $60 for. I think it's on Game Pass. It was on Game Pass. You can probably still play it for free, but... That is a two-hour game I would have paid $60 for. And, like, I know people want their, you know, bang for their buck. They want to get their time in. And I just, as a, as a human being with a finite amount of time, I don't want to have to feel like if I don't play this every single day for six months that I don't get a, a rewarding experience. And that's what some of these games want, want to be. You know, you got to You got to commit. You got to log in. You got to put in your time, Mike. You got to log in yeah, every day and you got to play three hours if you want to feel any sense of reward or joy. And that's. 
on the positive side, though, looking at this game, I am excited, right? What it it makes me think of Anthem, right? With the cool mechs, and it's like, man, yeah. Anthem really had some fun gameplay mechanics, and I love dinosaurs. And if you could give me a world where we blend dope mech suit movement and gameplay mechanics with dinosaurs, just hordes of dinosaurs coming at me, I'm hoping for the best here because I want to see some epic scenes of a T-Rex coming after me, the Stegosaurus freaking out on the battlefield. Like, <laughs> this could be a fun time, and I'm hoping for it. But, of course, I'll get my first hands-on next week with everybody during this beta, and we're going to figure out if this is going to be hot or not, which is exciting. Yeah, let's get some rounds in, brother. Let's squat up. And wait. Let's put this thing to the test. Uh, the other biggest piece of news at this Capcom showcase was the uh, release date for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak on Xbox. So it's already been out on Switch, it's already been out on PC, but they brought Monster Hunter Rise to PlayStation and Xbox, and now we got the release date of the big expansion. So I don't want to dive too much into this. It's coming on April 28th. Mike, are you a are you a big Monster Hunter sicko? Are you a big big uh, Monster Hunter guy? I'm a Monster Hunter World jabroni. I like Ooh. World. I was not a big Rise guy. Also, it was trapped on the Switch early on there, and I just don't like playing on the Switch that much. You know what I mean? I think it might have been Switch and PC, but Either way, I played it on the Switch, and man, that piece of hardware just feels old nowadays, Miles. It's really tough. If it's not a Nintendo proper game, anything else just does not feel good or run good on that. And so, yeah, I quickly got out of Rise. Never will go back. When World comes back, if that's what they so well do with World 2, I'll be back for more. Yeah, Monster Hunter World, I think, was the gateway drug for a lot of monster, like yes. current Monster Hunter fans because... I've played the series for a long time. My first one was on Wii, Monster Hunter Try, I want to say, was the first one that I tried. <laughs> oh, man. And um, I loved it. But it's it's clunky. It's got uh, a lot of convoluted systems to it. And Monster Hunter World was the one that kind of streamlined a lot of the gameplay, streamlined the loop, and made it more approachable. And the, the, the overall world and overhaul to the, the visuals just were stunning. So it was a beautiful-looking game. It was a really expansive game. Monster Hunter Rise is an evolution in some ways, evolution in mobility, but then it kind of goes back to basics in terms of environments, in terms of the core loop, in terms of the systems. So it's kind of a middle ground between world and the traditional Monster Hunter experience. I At this point, I'll play anything Monster Hunter. I've been The two games I've been playing most <laughs> right now are Monster Hunter Rise and Wild Hearts. So I'm, I've, I've got the itch, I've got the bug, so I've already blasted through all of the content in Monster Hunter Rise on Xbox, so as soon as Sunbreak hits, I'm there. I'm there day one. Dude, Let's you're go. the best. Did you get lost in Wild Hearts then? Yeah, dude, I'm still playing it. I was nice. not expecting. Like for you. Our, my core friend group and I, we were looking at Wild Hearts, and we're like, we were currently playing Res or Monster Hunter Rise when the, the, the hype cycle and the marketing cycle was building up to the release, and we were like... Are we really going to go straight into another hunting game? We're, we're having fun with Rise. Maybe we should just stick with Rise. And then, you know, we're, there was the demo via EA Play, and we all we all played, like, two hunts, and we're like, all right, we're, we're buying this for sure. We're, we're de definitely buying it. And then I wasn't expecting to love it because at first I thought the building gimmick was just that, just a gimmick. I thought it was weird. I thought, okay, they just want to cater to the Fortnite crowd just just because, like, because Fortnite's cool. But the more I played, the more I really connected with that building system. And now it's such a, just a core component of what makes Wild Hearts cool and unique. And so, yeah, it's still the game I'm playing almost every single night. It's still the game at the end of a, a session of, you know, whatever else we're playing. We're like, 
you want to get a couple hunts in. So yeah, Wild Hearts has sucked me in big time. I think I'm at like three days of playtime. So loving Wild Hearts, such a great experience. They just dropped some new DLC on Friday, a new monster, and then they have a couple more DLCs coming in the end of March and early April. So they're they're giving me what I want. They're giving me more Wild Hearts, oh. more stuff to hunt. So let's go. That's sweet. Do That's it. great, Miles. Yeah. Um. All right. So that's pretty much it for the the Capcom showcase. So a lot of stuff to talk about there. A couple super chats I want to get to here. We got Game Game Seeker M, who has super chatted a celebratory pair. Appreciate you. Appreciate the support there. Assassin says Capcom is definitely one of my favorite publishers, delivering banger after banger. But am I the only one who's sad we didn't see Pragmata or Dragon's Dogma 2? Mike, do you remember Pragmata? I do. That was the crazy spaceship man game, right? Yeah. So that was where he came down and there was the girl with the ghost cat, maybe. Uh, I'm just trying to remember it all. But yes, I remember seeing that and also wondering the same thing of where the heck is that video game, right? Because we haven't seen it since, right, Miles? Yeah, that was lead up to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X console releases. We got a look at Pragmata and we haven't heard anything since. We haven't seen anything since. So a lot of people are like, questioning where that game is what the current state is so mm. i was kind of expecting some sort of update at this showcase but yeah it came and went we got no update on pragmata i wasn't disappointed to not see dragon's dogma 2 as much as okay I'm, i I love love dragon's dogma like I, I was so amped when they confirmed that they were doing a dragon's dogma 2 the way that they revealed they were doing a dragon's dogma 2 pretty much let me know that that game is super early in development. So I wasn't expecting to see okay. it this soon, um, but you can bet your sweet ass when we do see it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, dude. I'm ready to see that world and the RE engine, and I'm ready to see what that evolution was. Because I went back and replayed Dragon's Dogma after the Elden Ring hype, after Dragon's Dogma 2 was revealed, and that game was ahead of its time, way, way ahead of its time. So... Uh, shout out to Dragon's Dogma for just really uh, innovating in the RPGs, open world RPG space, not getting enough respect thrown on its name. Yeah, not, you know, people who play it beloved, it, right? There's like a lot of beloved fans out there, but other people I don't think have played it and really checked it out because it, it was big and meaty back then. But that and uh, you look at Dragon Age, and it's like, yeah, give me all of that. I'm all yeah. about those two games coming back. I'm very excited. But yeah, good call out with Pragmata and of course Dragon's Dogma. It's like, where are those? And when will we get teases of that? It reminds me of Xbox with all the games that we know are coming, but then you question, like, when will we see that again? When is State of the K3 going to show us something new, right? When will we see something from Perfect Dark? Like, I, yeah, a lot of these games kind of just get lost, and you sit around and you, you reminisce on them, but you're like, man, I don't know when I'll see that again. Exactly, exactly. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Pragmata is. I remember it came at that, uh, was it a State of Play it was some showcase that every single game, for whatever reason, was a space game. So that's kind of yes. how I remember Pragmata. Mm. It's like, yes, yes, oh, yes. it was in that space direct where every single game was a weird sci-fi thriller set in space. And it kind of got lost in that, that wall, I think. And then with it being so quiet, a lot of people have, I think, forgotten about it. But I, I'm glad that they're taking their time. And I'm, I'm hopeful that when it hits, it hits. Because Capcom, as Assassin has mentioned here, um, is releasing banger after banger. So they're they're they've set a really high bar for themselves with everything they're doing. So I think they want to make sure that they they get it right. And kudos to them for for taking the time to make sure that it hits. It happened, Mike. We got to talk a little bit about a game delay. 
um, that happened this week. And it's it's a strange delay because this particular video game was just showcased uh, like two weeks ago. Mm. So two weeks ago, we got a big gameplay deep dive in a state of play for Suicide Squad. The, the co-op, four-player co-op action shooter from Rocksteady, who hasn't had a game out since Arkham Knight in 2015. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been it's been a long time since we've had a Rocksteady game. So they've been spending a lot of time on this project. There's a lot of anticipation for this project, but they showed some gameplay and a lot of people weren't that high on the gameplay. So before we talk about the delay and the latest developments, how did you feel about the initial gameplay overview that we got at the state of play? Uh, Miles, you were right. Arkham Knight 2015 on that one. Nailed it. <laughs> You know, Miles, I'm in such a mixed bag of emotions, and I'm sure I'm like very much everybody else right there. You come off of the Batman Arkham series, and you're like, man, what this team did with a single-player superhero game, it's all that in a bag of potato chips. And I hope they do it again, <laughs> right? The murmur of like, maybe they'll make a Superman game, or what if they made one of your favorite superheroes? And to see them do Suicide Squad after, you know, of course, two Suicide Squad movies, one really bad, one really good, yeah. the hype for Suicide Squad for me was high right we're getting a whole lot of harley quinn i'm in love with king shark right like captain boomerang you could take it or leave it but like <laughs> he seems fun and enjoyable but this isn't my dream superhero game right i want a static shock i want a green arrow i want other superheroes to come to the fold but like we are riding a high right now of suicide squad team members so i'm interested and i am the multiplayer guy and i do love a good co-op beat them up with my friends out of this team isn't really what I wanted, right? Like I was dreaming of something else, but when you saw it, it's like, okay, this is gonna be a fun, dumb time with my friends. I do agree with Ryan McCaffrey's statements of like, it just looks like you're killing a bunch of mindless purple dudes running around the map, but I, I just, I'm a mixed bag right now, Miles. Of just, I, I guess we have to play it to see it, to believe it. But for me, this one is probably lower on my disappointment of what I wanted than what we actually got. Yeah, it's... It's one of those games where going into it, I was excited. When it was first revealed and we saw that Rocksteady was making a co-op game based on the Suicide Squad, and it kind of and the first gameplay tease has made it seem like, ooh, maybe this is a, a co-op sunset overdrive. When we first started seeing bits and pieces, I was excited about what this could be. And then when we got the big gameplay deep dive, I remember going to Twitter and saying, yo, this is Crackdown 4. And, you know, some people interpret the, <laughs> interpreted that as a dig. And for some people, I think it probably is a dig. But I've always liked Crackdown. And I've always liked that Crackdown has been a dumb, fun game. Crackdown 2, one of my all-time favorite co-op games. Not a great game, but the four-player co-op and the loop of Crackdown 2 when you have a full squad of four buddies is so good. And so when I saw this, I thought it reminded me of Crackdown 2. And for some people, that's not going to be enough. Some people don't want that. Then we got, you know, talks of the battle pass, the ongoing game, new characters, this evolving storyline, which again, sounds like destiny. So they're looking, you know, they presented this game that was cracked down on the surface, but at its core and its, its vision was rooted in destiny. And both of those ideas, probably when this game started development were, you know, fresh and, and interesting, but destiny has been going for years now. Destiny's kind of cornered that market. Crackdown isn't what it used to be. Um, so I was torn on this. It didn't look terrible. It just looked confusing. I was confused why, first off, in a game where we have King Shark. King Shark, I assumed, would be a melee-focused character. 
everyone has a gun. Everyone, it's a third person shooter where everyone just shoots everything. So when I saw that King Shark was just using an SMG for 90% of the fight, I was like, that's not, I was, I wanted to go in there and to beat people up as King Shark. That's what I wanted. And so I, I'm not getting that. We're, we're getting this third person shooting. And a lot of people were very much on the fence about it. A lot of people were pretty harsh on it because like you said, Rocksteady has this pedigree of just perfecting superhero genre in some ways. Arkham Asylum. We owe Spider-Man to Arkham Asylum. Arca Arkham Asylum reinvented the blueprint for what a superhero game is. And everyone wanted a piece of that. And that's what led to you know, Insomniac's amazing Spider-Man series. So a lot of people wanted the heavy story-based narrative-driven games that they're famous for. And we saw, I think, a taste of that. The sequence when we had the Flash, the corrupted Flash circling the group yes. and Wonder Woman comes in with her lasso of truth and pins him. And then he's like, and she's asking, how do we stop this? How do we, how do we stop this? And he like looks at her, obviously like defeat and says, you have to kill us. And there's like that moment where you're like, oh, okay, there's going to be some weight to this story. There's going to be some, some, some heftiness to this narrative, which is what Rocksteady does excellently. But I wonder if that's going to get lost in the four-player co-op ongoing game bit of this oh, as well. It always does, Miles. You know, it, no matter what, when you play a game or player co-op with all of your friends, you are talking over the story. Your Mash friend is trying to rush you. Exactly. Your one friend is stuck in the menus trying to upgrade. The other friend is pushing forward because they only got two hours to play with you. Like these games, if you want the story, you have to play single player because you and your four friends are going to be talking the whole time. And that's half the fun, right? Like video games are supposed to bring us all together. And like, there's a time and place for that where it's like, man, shout out to this idea where it's like, yo, you really like the Batman games. What if you played them with your friends? And that's what they're trying to create here which I'm all about. But yeah, you just talk about the pedigree and the history. I just think it was out of left field of what people were really expecting. There, That's all. I, I agree. I think it was a, a, a shock, an honest shock. Like I was even me expecting like, okay, I want a four player co-op game that's inspired by Sunset Overdrive. That sounds cool. Even I was a little bit shocked and taken aback by what we saw at that gameplay showcase for the actual moment to moment gameplay. Because it very much is Crackdown at its, at its surface, but with Borderlands loot and then a destiny promise of an ongoing story. So it's a lot. And I think that's not what some people wanted. So there's a report that came out from Bloomberg that suggests that Suicide Squad is being delayed to Q4 of 2023, potentially even later. And this is immediately following the negative feedback of this showcase. So it seems like if this report is true, that the team very much heard the negative feedback from a lot of people. And I think I would say, generally speaking, the negative feedback was more loud and overwhelming than the positive mm. feedback. So when we look at the potential of this game, when we look at the, the idea that they're delaying this to Q4, potentially 2024, we're looking at a six to... 10 month delay ish. What are you hoping to see on the other side of this delay? Well, you know, uh, reminiscent of Halo Infinite, of course, when we first saw that and the reception to that first one being lukewarm about, of course, Craig the uh, Brute and all that jazz <laughs> and what that team did, right? And what it came out to be with that release and how pretty it was, how well the game ran. I mean, this team is not going back to the drawing board miles and switching oh. up the gameplay mechanics, right? Like this is polish. And that's going to be about it. You're not changing the game formula in that amount of time. And so what I'm looking for is a detailed world, truly and honestly, right? I'm looking for a game that runs well, 
that when me and my four pl- friends play, it, it it is moving and running smoothly, right? And then on the flip side, I'm looking for good detail. I don't want a gray world that just has a bunch of purple on top of it. I want some iconic, you know, DC world touches that I want to see out of this cool open world that we can get lost in and smile and go, hey, did you see the iceberg lounge? Or hey, did you see this? That you noticed that? Like things that I want to have callbacks to in different DC properties that will make me smile. Stuff yeah. like that. Because Suicide Squad as an IP has huge potential to be fun. It is very much what superheroes were founded on in terms of the the early comics and this idea that anything was possible and anything goes and there weren't any any rules or conventions for what a superhero story could be and who could be in a superhero story who could interact with who it just it tore down these walls and said anyone can interact with anyone and what if the what if the villains were the heroes in this scenario and another good one miles as well maybe they're getting ahead of the content right we halo infinite another perfect example of like that team has been struggling to get ahead of the content and get on time with what we expect out of these quote unquote live service games or a promise of, Hey, we have a roadmap and we're looking to deliver. Maybe this team now feels the pressure of putting out a battle pass and saying, Hey, we want it to be more than just your 20 hour experience with your friends and never come back to it. A big moment for that is content, right? Content is King on all these games. If you want to bring me back, you got to have a clear and a clear roadmap. You got to have good timing and make sure that you are hitting those markers to keep me coming back. Because if it's a, we play this and we have a ton of fun, but you don't have anything for another six months, you best believe there's going to be another 20 games that are looking to take your place on my couch and all of my attention. So maybe it is a content thing where they just want to get ahead of the content. I wouldn't be mad at that either. No, because if you're going to enter the ongoing game space at this point, there's so many examples of games that have done it well. We have Fortnite, we have Sea of Thieves, we have Destiny, we have Call of Duty Warzone, the original. A lot of people are mad about Warzone 2, but for the most part, there's a lot of clear examples of how to keep people happy, how to keep people engaged with content. And so if you're going to promise an ongoing game and then ship the game and not deliver on that, like you said, people are going to move on. And the hardest thing in the world is getting people to come back, getting people to come back and stay and have that feeling they had at launch to get them reconnect with the game. And speaking of that, that's a beautiful transition into our next segment, which is the launch of Halo Infinite Season 3. So as you beautifully touched on, dude, remember the launch of Halo Infinite? Remember how high we all were on that experience and how everyone was just like, Halo's back, baby. It's beautiful. It's everything I want it to be. It's the best feeling Halo game because it is the best feeling Halo game. And there was just so much buzz around that. There was that. And then just a few months later, it seemed like everything went dark. There was this tonal shift in the way that everyone perceived and engaged with Halo Infinite. And it went from Halo Infinite's back, Halo's beautiful, I love it, to I don't want to play Halo. How could they release Halo in this state? This was a this was a total disaster. So it was this kind of whiplash of of, like you said, undelivered promises that made people retroactively get upset by the launch of Halo Infinite. So there's been a lot of buzz surrounding Halo Infinite Season 3 because we went a long time between content drops. We had the six month seasons. The difference between Halo Infinite season two and season three was, was that nine months? Was that even, it was even a long longer? time miles, a long time, bro. So it's, it's people been jonesing, hankering for some juicy Halo content. So I know you've been diving in. Yes. 
I haven't had a chance to play yet. Like I said, I've been sucked into Wild Hearts. I've been sucked into everything else. Sons of the Forest. There's just been an onslaught of games, so I haven't had a chance. But I want to know, Mike, how much content is in Season 3, and how are you feeling about this offering as a Halo fan, as someone who wants Halo to shine? Uh, for all the Halo fans out there, really quick, you touched on it, Miles. Man, what a great time it was. That October to like December window mm. when this first release was like mm. some of the best times in modern gaming where it's like, man, Halo, that beloved Xbox franchise is back. They nailed the game. Campaign has a fun, awesome story. They're testing out this new semi-open world where I can go explore with Chief. Oh man, like I love online multiplayer. They're killing the gameplay. Sure, I don't have online co-op to play with my friends for campaign, but like, man, you're on top of your game. And then just the absolute crash that no one will ever forget. But I am happy to say, Miles, that Halo is back. And it's probably the best it's been since those first three months after launch. Yeah, right? Like, all right. This is the biggest content update they've ever dropped. And it is solid. It is impressive. And it has brought a whole lot of fun and positive energy back to the Halo space. And so... I'll go over a lot of it for you, Miles, because I've been, I can't stop right now. I've had three full days of just playing this yeah. since it's lost on Tuesday. And I'm happy to go back to Halo, right? It's not where it was, right? I don't think it will ever be where it was with those first three months, but very few games ever make it back. Like you talked about player retention and making new players come back, right? But where we stand, three brand new maps from 343, and they're all very good. I'd argue that two out of the three are their best maps they've done thus far. Maybe Ooh. three out of the three are the best maps they oh, have in their catalog. Oh, that's a bold claim. All right. Two new arena maps. You have um, Chasm, which is very reminiscent of the first couple levels of Halo when you're in that Forerunner tech way down underground and you're making your way through. It is tiny. It is small. It's their smallest map yet, and it leads to a lot of engagements, a lot of fun to be had, and a lot of firefights, which I really enjoy. They have their next map, which is Cliffhanger. My first impression was like, hmm, just a little too big for four-on-four -four content. And I'll tell you what, the issue that I had at the beginning was, is this going to be another Behemoth? Where they have Behemoth and Launchpad that are two maps that are meant for Arena, but they're just a little too big for 4v4. Yes. You're not getting those firefights and engagements. And at first, that is what Cliffhanger feels like. But with some new game modes that they've added, Cliffhanger is now my favorite map out of all of the Halo maps that they've dropped in Halo Infinite. It is very impressive. It's got some space. It's got some really cool looks up on the mountainside. It looks like it's ripped out of Halo Reach, and it's really fun to use the man cannon to get across the map, to play in the different spaces that they've created, and to also jump into this new game mode, right? I'll save the big team battle map for a minute, but the new game mode, Miles, is really impressive, right? I don't know what the name of it is, but I've been calling it, one second, it's Escalation Slayer. I've been calling it Team Gun Game, which is probably the easiest way to put it. Of course, you start off with rockets and you escalate all the way till the oddball skull to win it all with your team. And I thought it was really fun. Like Gun Game, usually a solo thing where you and I start off with one gun and we just work our way through getting kills in a free-for-all Slayer. I like the addition of team-based action on this one. It is a ton of fun. And it leads to a whole lot of laughing and good times. Different loadouts per gun. So you get to use that new equipment piece, the shroud screen. You get to see the new weapon, the bandit rifle. So yeah. they've added in so much content. And it's probably the best that they've had since launch. I mean, it is the best content update that they've had. 
but this is the best place that Halo's been because right now, along with the three new maps, the brand new piece of equipment, the new gun, of course, you have Forge really singing right now, Miles. Of course, the custom community browser is now up and live. You have Forge and the community are building a whole lot of great maps. 343 is doing a great job showcasing those maps and game modes to have fun with. Of course, you know, I put a whole lot of time into Fall Guys. Someone made a great Hexagon Fall Guys level that yes. I enjoy playing, Miles. But yes. like, I, I have a whole lot of hype and a whole lot of positive energy for Halo right now, right? It is not the place it was in October through December. The player base is not as large as it once was. But if you jump in with your friends, custom games have been a ton of fun, right? I am so lucky to have a small audience or a large friend group where it can be like, yo, let's bring everybody together. Let's just make our own 4v4 or 12v12 big team battle games and not even worry about matchmaking and just be off on our own. And I think that's where Halo Sings is like the things they've put in to the game since day one have now led to this situation where it's like, yeah, this is a total package game that you can play no matter how you want to play it. You have campaign co-op, you have the campaign, you can jump in and create and forge. You can make your own games and your own fun and custom games. Like shout out right now, Halo season three, a very impressive one. And the final piece I'll tell you, Miles, uh, one critique and one positive. The one positive right now, the battle pass system that they implemented. Man, oh man, does it feel good, Miles, to jump back into a game that you put away for a long time and still be able to access those old battle passes? To still have that feeling of progression after so long of being like, man, instead of just one battle pass that I can work through, I have three to work through. And I can unlock all this stuff like nobody else is doing it where... If you buy a battle pass, you now feel that timer start. You FOMO feel that pressure in. to, I have to do this battle pass or else my money won't be worth it. Or I'll have to never see it again, right? Like Halo figured it out where it's like, no, that's there forever. And that's a big shout out to them because nobody else in the space is doing it like that. And I, I am really impressed. Unfortunately, my one critique is like, still to this day, the storefront doesn't feel or look good. The flip side and uh, as well, the battle pass just feels like it's full of a bunch of junk, right? I think Halo got way too overcomplicated. Like, I know we all love the cores and we love everything that you can do with the different Spartan cores, but like, it's just so much. It feels bloated, Miles, where it's like there's seven different cores. Everything has 20 different attachments. Now the battle pass, one level is one shoulder pad. The next level is the other shoulder pad. Oh, I get one knee pad or the other knee pad. Like, it just kind of feels like it's too much. And also doesn't feel worth my time, right? I look at the battle pass. I'm like, oh, so at level 37, I get, you know, a cool, uh, like a chess piece. And then the next one is one shoulder pad. Like, I, I just don't like the storefront or battle pass. I think they got to really figure that out. But other than that, when it comes to gameplay and content, they're nailing it right now. I'm really impressed with where we stand. I love hearing that because... For so long, so many people have been down on Halo, and a lot of people in the community have been disappointed or frustrated that so many people are critical of Halo. And a lot of Halo fans are, you know, disappointed about the state of the game and disappointed by how people are talking about Halo Infinite. And a lot of people had high hopes with Season 2, and they said, okay, it's going to be six months in between the first season and Season 2, but hopefully that means they're going to come out with a strong content output. And it's going to be a nice, you know, it's going to be worth the wait. And we all know it wasn't. Season 2 was not anything to write home about. It was not an exciting moment for Halo Infinite. And so a lot of people going into Season 3, while there was some excitement, I think there was some skepticism that said, okay, well, we've, we've waited before and it didn't pay off. But 
everyone I've talked to who's been playing it and everyone I've seen talk about it on social media has been so excited about the new maps, the new modes, the new guns, all of the key core content that they've added. Forge, like you said, is thriving. I'm seeing so many great videos online of, of just great, amazing custom maps. The, the, the Toy Story Toy Room, infamously, is one of my favorite ones to watch people play on. And so there's so much amazing community content as well that's going to keep people engaged and keep people invested in the experience. So it's amazing to hear a lot of glowing praise about Halo. It's amazing to see that Halo is pulling people back in, getting people reinvested in the experience. I do absolutely agree when it comes to the battle pass customization dog. I don't want to earn each shoulder pad individually. Yeah. That is such yeah. a bloated waste of time. And there are still moments, you know, throughout Halo where it just feels like this is just unnecessary. It feels like you're arbitrarily holding back content just to make me grind more. And like you said, um, that's a problem. They've struggled with reward in the past. That was one of the biggest complaints at launch is this does not feel rewarding to play. Gameplay is fun, but when it comes to unlocks, the battle pass, progression, it does not feel rewarding to play Halo Infinite. So do you think it, it feels better or do you still think that while they've you know adjusted the way that the battle pass works, that it still feels like you don't really care about what you're getting? Yeah, it does feel better, Miles, because they've, they've now added match XP, right? That was the big thing way at the beginning of, like, mm -hmm. really, the only way that I progress is completing challenges, right? And that was a big system that they wanted to try, and you got to give team shout-outs for trying, right? I understand they wanted to try something new. Maybe they saw it out in the future, and they're like, this could be it. But we all knew we wanted match XP, and I am glad that they've shifted back to that where it is a balance of match XP and still bonus rewards for challenge completion, right? But it is that reward, right? Like, I feel like I'm progressing and being rewarded for my time with the match XP and that, but it, it comes down to what am I getting off of that? And I just think yes. the items that they're offering me aren't maybe speaking to me. Maybe they speak to a different audience, but like they're not speaking to me and they're not making me feel like my time is well worth it to the point where I'm just playing now. I don't really even look at the battle pass. I don't care what I'm unlocking. I've dialed in my Spartan look, and that's just how it's going to be until you can wow me with something else. But as of right now, it doesn't feel like I need to, you know, focus on the battle pass or worry about that. It's just come down to the gameplay. It's like, am I having fun? Heck yeah, I am. Okay, you've earned some of my time because I'm having a good time. That's yeah. where I kind of stand with it. And I think for most of us, that's the most important thing is having that loop, the gameplay loop that keeps you coming back regardless yeah. of the progression. And I know people's expectations have changed. And for some people having a compelling battle pass is a, is a reason to play a game. And if the battle pass isn't there or if the progression isn't there, they're just going to play something else. But it is nice to hear that the core gameplay loop is there. The core gameplay loop is evolving and keeping you coming back. And um, do you see yourself continuing to revisit Halo Infinite season three, or was this a, I'm excited about this new drop. I'm going to play what's there and then move on. Yeah, it's so interesting, Miles, right? Because I brought up three maps and I've been the one who's really been beating the drums on like they didn't deliver enough maps at the beginning. They have never delivered enough maps right off the bat. And I still think that three maps is still content light in a game where, you know, you're going to put this out and people are going to play it all the time. Three maps just isn't enough to wow people, especially when it's split between Big Team Battle and Slayer, right? This isn't just one game that only uses all the maps across all the boards. It is two different game modes, essentially, that are taking these maps. And so I don't think it's enough maps, but I do think where we're at right now with what Forge is putting out, 
where we're at with custom games being able to play that anytime. I think this will become more of a mainstay than it once was, right? Maybe I'll play this once a week, or maybe I'll play this once every two weeks. At least I now have a positive attitude of, hey, I'm willing to return to Halo because before this launch, there was no way you were going to pull me back to Halo. <laughs> I laughed at the idea of even spending one night playing Halo because we've been there, done that, right? At least there's something new and fresh, but what they have as a foundation for this game, very, very solid. And the promise of, hey, you know, at the very end of all of this, they were talking about looking forward and the promise of, hey, we're confident in where we're at and we really believe that we're going to continue to improve on the consistency and avoid these long seasons in the future. And if they can actually nail that, right? If they can stick to their word and do that, I'm on board to see what they can do. Also, Miles, I am a little sad about where we stand right now with the narrative, right? Like, shout out to Big Joe and the team. Uh, you know, they have made some really cool stuff with these fun, like, narrative trailers before the seasons, but it just hurts because, like, that should have been single player and or co-op, like, expansions this should have been more of a story being told over there like it sucks that we get hit with this cool little narrative that like i'm not dishing them because i like what it is but i get hit with that before multiplayer and then i never thinking about it again like this should have been we should have been putting our time into a dlc of sorts into a halo infinite campaign which is too bad to see i don't like the multiplayer narrative that we've gotten into where teams want to just put like a three minute cut scene before the season and say, yeah, we're, we're building a story inside a multiplayer. It just doesn't work for me. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah, they, they did kind of amp that up more at pre-launch when they talked about the Academy and how the multiplayer was going to tie into the world and yeah. tie into the story. And so we, you know, a lot of people were speculating, myself included, that, oh, cool, maybe that means there's going to be a way where I can inject my multiplayer Spartan into like the story, the core campaign of Halo Infinite. But like you touched on, it is a really cool, like, don't get me wrong, really well done cinematic trailer that builds up this cool story. But like you said, that's it. That's all you get. There's no story events for co-op or PV or PVE or PVP even that feed into that. It's here's this beat. Here's this moment. Here's the theme of the battle pass, more or less. And then that's it. And that's all yeah. all you get. And it's cool. It's better than nothing. But I don't think I agree with you. And I don't think it's enough to warrant the expression or belief that this is a compelling narrative for your multiplayer experience. I will also, you know, I might be on the wrong side of this one, but I'll, I'll be willing to speak up on this one, Miles. I think we should probably stop putting our own Spartans into this. And like, not because I don't want everybody to show themselves and have fun, but like, I, it just doesn't fit the theme, Miles, right? It's like adding the banana guy from Fortnite into Gears of War because we're having this touching, awesome sequence where like, They've spent so much detail making these lone wolves look so cool with Spartan Din, right? Like they're having this great moment of like, man, I'm happy to be back with the team. It's crazy what we saw out there, right? And they're all freaking like Spartan greened out. They're beat up. They got dust all over them. And then here comes Snowbike Mike with a bright Santa Claus outfit on and cat ears. And I'm like, hey, everybody, they got to put me in the background. And it's just like, it just doesn't look <laughs> quite right. And so I am willing to be like, hey, I'll sacrifice my Spartan. Maybe we make a different Spartan, or maybe we just don't add me into the scene because I just don't look good in the background with how I'm playing. Uh, but yeah, that's my one my one piece of like, I would be willing to skip that. I don't need my Spartan in there anymore. You know, I'm on the opposite camp, Mike. I gotta say, you know, when it comes to cutscenes, 
obviously, <laughs> you know, some people want the impact. Some people want the emotional beat to hit. Yes. Some of my favorite memories ever are Lost Planet 2 co-op because it was all in-engine <laughs> cutscenes. And you could be Frank West. You could be Marcus and Dom. And you could be all these ridiculous characters. <laughs> and you could have these ridiculous characters in these big, epic cutscenes within Lost Planet 2. And sure, it was dumb. Sure, it completely takes you out of taking this story seriously, but I, I think overall it's okay. You know, if you're if you're you can you can cater to both. If you want to have the hardcore Spartan, you know, you can customize one that way. But if you want to look like a dork and have your dorky Spartan <laughs> show up in the cutscene, let's go. All right, I'm oh, here for it. I love it, Miles. It it is such a fun one, but yeah, I wish the team had the time and resources to put into a single player story with co-op, of course, instead of these multiplayer vignettes, right? Like that's where I'm at on that one. I never have been behind the quote unquote storytelling of this. I think it's quickly forgotten, but you know, a lot of people are chasing trends, right? Like we're chasing, mm -hmm. it seems to be, we're chasing what Fortnite is doing. And Fortnite has clearly laid down the model of battle pass, a living, breathing world, changes to the map constantly. And of course, putting these weird cutscenes together and making a, a story out of nothing, right? And it looks like people really want to chase that. And that just seems to be where we're going. Exoprimal adding a battle pass is a perfect example of that. Suicide Squad having a battle pass. Like, we just seem to be in this weird ebb and flow of everybody wants that ongoing money. They want the player base to stay forever. But also, like, we just don't know how to nail that because it's our first time ever doing it. And, well, Fortnite can do it, but it's like Fortnite's been doing it for almost a decade now. And it's like, a weird a weird balance that we're hitting with certain video games that don't need it but want it and need it but don't have it it's a it's a weird one to see it's a fun time to be a gamer to see the goods and the bads come out of all of this and also a hard time for gamers because sometimes your favorite games don't get the justice that they deserve because we're chasing exactly and so it is that tough balance where not every game can be fortnite it's just it it just doesn't work. Not everyone is going to play a game that is exactly the same. There's only going to be you probably one standout in that specific style and specific genre. But that being said, there there's lessons to learn, I think, in the success of stuff like Fortnite. Seth Garfinkel in the chat says, Lil Whip needs to be in Halo. <laughs> and I, I'm with you, dude. I've, I've talked about this before. Halo Infinite needs to lean into the fun. The reason yeah. that Fortnite is so popular is because it says, I don't care if this makes any sense. We're going to put Ash from Evil Dead. We're going to put Geralt of Rivia. We're going to put Doom Guy. We're going to put LeBron James. We're going to put Spider-Man. We're going to put anyone you can imagine in this game. And they're, you're going to yeah. be able to be in a squad together. And everything, all of our terrible dances, you're going to be able to make Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones lookalike dance to Lil Whip. And that's just, that's the world that they've created. And I think regardless of who you are, there's been that crossover that you see in Fortnite and you go, God damn it. Like, like I remember when Dragon Ball Z hit, that was the one where I saw so many people who hadn't played Fortnite in forever. Hadn't even thought about playing Fortnite. They threw down cold, hard cash instantly to be Goku, to be yeah. Vegeta, yeah. to be a super Saiyan in Fortnite. So there is weight to that. And I wonder if Halo well, could ever learn from that. Because we can talk about that, right? You look at Project Tatanka, right? And like the rumor of Jez and the team talking about possibly being a battle royale, right? In this new Unreal Engine, hopefully mm -hmm. it changes the game. But like, if this is a battle royale, right? We've taken away 
the opportunities to be the elites, right? You can't be the elites anymore in Halo, which I was an elite jabroni back in Halo <laughs> 2, Miles. That was my thing, right? Do we start off with, hey, you can be elites in this alongside Spartans, maybe an ODST character to customize, and you're now jumping into this battle royale with a mix of characters amongst the landscape, right? Like you're talking about kind of expanding what could be in this world, but then as well, Fortnite's its own beast, right? Could we see a Halo, you know, Project Tatanka with Gears of War characters in there? Could you get a Cog soldier in there? Could you get the Locust in there? Could you start putting different pieces of the Xbox universe into this? Like Let's go! To make it more fun? Or does that break the quote-unquote lore and it becomes too much? Because Fortnite has everything, like you said, right? Could this Battle Royale be more than just ODST soldiers or just Spartans? Maybe we start to bring it out and start to expand that. Because I, I think that could be fun if you saw General Ram and three ODST soldiers on your left-hand side. Then over on the far side, you see, you know, Joanna Dark over on that side. <laughs> maybe Jago from freaking Killer Instinct. Yes, and you're just having yeah, fun. But, dude. you know, does that break it? I don't know, Miles. It's an interesting beast because you have a perfect opportunity right now with Project Tatanka. But I think they'll play it safe and it will only be either Spartans or ODST soldiers. But, like, you have a game here, Miles, that could possibly be that if you really wanted it. That's that's what I'm hoping for is we break down some of those pre-established notions, make this a separate thing, because the big thing with Halo is the lore and it has to make lo lo sense in the world. So all of the like cosmetic items in Halo Infinite are tied to lore. So they even had to tie lore to the cat ears and all of these things where it's like other games don't care about that. They don't care about it fitting into the world in any way. So maybe the, the battle royale can pull itself out of the Halo lore bubble and be an isolated thing that celebrates some of the other gaming. Gears of War! Gears of War has had Halo in it, but Halo can't put Kong soldiers in, in its game? Like, there's huge potential for Xbox to celebrate its IP, to have a platform that celebrates all of its franchises, celebrates all of its mascots, brings them together into a multiplayer world. And outside of Sea of Thieves, which does an amazing job bringing in oh, stuff from yo. other worlds, yep. like even they Halo... Do nobody else in the xbox team does it or wants to do it so that's that, what i'm confused about is project it, it could like be that there's so much history and you're the flagship and it's it's funny i say flagship but then like you look at gears like you just brought up and they did it and they're the flagship but like at the same time it's like halo is this beast where it's like you don't touch that you know what i mean don't mess with what's inside of that don't play around with it don't stretch too far like people want to see chief they want to see the spartans they want to see the covenant they want to see what they believe in in this world. They don't want to expand upon that. But you and I have talked about it before. Could they make a Smash Bros. clone? Could they make a kart racer with all of your favorite characters, right? Like, we look back. I, I brought it up before, but Killer Instinct, adding in General Ram, adding in the yes. Arbiter, right? Adding in Rash. Like, that became a fun, cool fighting game when you added in the Xbox IP characters. And you have so many, but I don't think... You know, I think the idea, the dream of what Project Tatanka could be, yeah, that's fun and all, but I, I think you have to play it safe, unfortunately, and that that's how it will be, which I, I want, right? I, I want a Halo Infinite Battle Royale, but you bring up, could you, could you? Yeah, maybe, maybe, Miles, maybe. You know, I'm maybe this is too radical. Maybe I'm too out there. Maybe I'm, you know, not, I'm speaking out of, out of line here, but I think they should just, break a lot of conventions with this battle royale make it third person even 
because we talk about if they're going to lean into the skins and the cosmetics, if they decide to go that route, uh, you want to be able to see that and you want to be able to celebrate that. And if it's in first person, some people don't care. They don't engage with it. So I would love to see them find a way because obviously some Halo fans are going to need first person. I want to see them find a way for it to be played in either first or third person. So if you want the skins, if you want the cosmetics, you can celebrate those and you can embrace those. Because I think just generally speaking for the popularity of Halo, no matter where you stand on on Halo and the lore, the lore fans and the hardcore Halo fans. If Halo was third person, more people would play it. Um, Miles, that's a wild. It's a wild one, Miles, because this they're fighting an uphill battle. You cannot mm -hmm. miss with this project Tatanka, right? Because the issue oh. is, if you miss, you spent a whole lot of time for this game to die six months, a year, two years out, right? Like the goal is not to have that. Of course, the dream is to make a Fortnite or somehow be in the mix with Fortnite, Apex, and Call of Duty Warzone, where you're one of the top dogs, and this is going to have staying power, right? We've seen so many games come and go. We've seen games try new things. Rumbleverse, we're looking at you, right? Knockout City brought something fun into the team yeah. arena game, right? Like, these games are fun and different, but they quickly die on the vine because people circle back to what they know and what they love. And Halo has a great established franchise, Halo clearly showed with Halo Infinite during that first three months that the gameplay is there and it's super dope, right, Miles? But yeah, yeah. you can't you can't miss when it comes into this genre because what I could count way too many bad royales that have come and quickly gone. And Halo has a big name that might give it a little bit longer staying power. But if you can't take a large chunk of this audience and make them yours, you have missed the mark, right? And so third person. First person, I don't know what you're going to do, but I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in certain infinity and see the conversations they have, right? Like, will you mix in some PvPVE, like a Warzone type like they used to have back I, in the day I in Halo 4 and 5, right? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? That's the burning question, because like you said, if a you're going to question. if you're going to step into the Thunderdome, let's be real with Apex Legends. Yep with Fortnite, with Call of Duty Warzone, it's not even a matter of being as good. Like if you're going to pull people away in this space, you need to be notably better. You need to have a game and a package that comes out of the gate and people say, damn, like I don't care how invested I am into Warzone. I don't care how invested I am into Fortnite. I wanna play this because it does something different. It feels good to play. The The loop is there. The experience is, is something that I haven't I haven't had before because it's not enough to be like well let's just do the shrinking bubble and 100 players in an arena with the halo skins and the vehicles i'd play that i would play that in a heartbeat i love halo i think halo vehicles are some of the best in the industry when it comes to their their versatility in a map and you blow that up to a huge scale i think there's an incredible potential there but for the people who don't already love halo i don't think that's enough and there probably are some hot and heavy conversations at certain Infinity and 343 Industries and Xbox about, okay, if we're going to do this, especially after Halo Infinite's kind of faltering roadmap, if we're going to do it, we need to make sure that this thing does hit. And this thing is something that is worthwhile in the space. Otherwise, we shouldn't bother. And that's how I feel. If you're not going to really commit to this thing and, and put out a package that, I'm not even exaggerating, is better than the competition, then don't. It's it's there's there's too much competition in the space to put out a good game.
it, it's so exciting, Miles. Like when people ask me, what's your most anticipated game or project? Like, you know, this isn't the one that I want to play the most. This is the one that I want to see either succeed or die. Like this is the one I want to see what this team has cooked up and really is bringing to the table, right? Because it's a wild situation to be in where we are, what, two years, almost three years into the launch of the brand new console. Halo Infinite was promised to be the game on the box, was promised to be the game that brings the next generation, was mm -hmm. the game that changed the model of saying, hey, we're just going to release multiplayer totally for free and see if that works. Yeah. We're going to be on Game Pass. We're going to be on the cloud. Like They did so much of this. And then where we stand today, it, it wasn't that. It didn't nail what it needed to be. And so now you have a, such an uphill battle. And yeah, I'd love, that's the thing that interests me the most in the in the gaming landscape is like, what is that team doing? I want to know all about it. I'm excited. Yes, I want it to hit, all right? Yes. I love Halo and I want I want the kids, or I want the Fortnite kids to love Halo, all right? That's, that's <laughs> what I want in this world. So yeah, I'm excited about what that project could be. There's huge potential and um, I'm really hoping that they are you know, making sure that when this this launches, um, that it is something that stands above what else is in the space. Because, yeah. ev like you said, everyone's chasing trends. And again, this is this is a huge ask. This is you know not something I say lightly. They almost need to make the new trend. They need to push beyond what the current trend is and deliver something beyond expectations. And that's such a huge ask. But uh, Miles, that's the exciting one. It's who's going to be the one to create the new trend because we haven't seen it quite yet. In the more specifically, the first-person shooter, the team arena battle royale, we've seen the established big dogs and what they've done from Overwatch and Valorant and CS:GO over on one side to now over in this new battle royale world and who's the top dog there? But like, what is that next new thing that everybody mm -hmm. wants? Right, like. Is it a mix of both? Is it one or the other? Is it something that we've never thought of? That is going to be the next fun thing that will dominate the next decade of gaming. Who's got the idea and how does it come to life? Because as of right now, this is the world that we live in where battle royales rule. There's some team arenas that stay around and do new things and like they got a good audience. But in the shooter landscape, those are your two options, really. Not much else is going on. Let's shake it up, all right? I know it's... For me, sitting on the sidelines, not having to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. It's easy for me to say that, but. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> you somebody know that, somebody <laughs> else take that risk on my behalf. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Mike, let's move on to the biggest, the biggest piece of Xbox news this week, by far. And it was some news that came unexpectedly in the middle of the week, hmm. super early Wednesday morning, Bethesda dropped a blog post in a video that said, hey, guess what, guys? I know you want to see Starfield. I know you've been waiting to see Star, waiting to see our gameplay deep dive for Starfield. It's not coming this month. Month. It's coming June 11th. Oh, and by the way, the game is coming out September 6th, 2023. See you in June. Have a good one. And just out of nowhere, not only Tough. did they confirm the showcase date, they confirmed the release date, which we all expected to get at the showcase. So we know it's coming September 6th. Now this is the the, this is the delay. This is, you know, this is a, I guess, I'm a little torn on how to phrase this because we've had one delay officially. It's supposed to come out November, but it got pushed. And then it was just a question mark. They never officially added another date. And so now this is the date. So some people are calling this another delay. I think, I don't know that we can because there was never a date, 
But Microsoft did say that everything you see in this showcase at the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase last year was coming in the next 12 months. And, Beth and Starfield was one of the things at the showcase. So I guess technically you could call it another delay. Mike, where are you at? Miles. Where are you at with Starfield? Where's your hype at? Where's your excitement oh. about how did this news hit you? It's through the roof, Miles. I'm so excited, and I'm really happy to know that Todd and the team are going to have a big deep dive for us in just mere months, right? That's three months away, coming into June for the big summer showcase. And then after that, we're looking into that fall and winter months of, hey, we're going to be playing the game in September. And I'm excited about that because I set expectations, you know, very quickly for myself after they announced that they weren't going to hit that first November date, right? When I knew that, I was like, I looked at the X-Cast crew and I said, that team's going to take a year, right? Like, I'll see that back in November 2023. I'm not really concerned about that, right? Like, this is my third most anticipated game behind Diablo and Sons of the Forest this year that, like, I'm looking forward to this game and I can't wait to play it. And so I knew coming in where I thought it would land and, you know, landing in September earlier than I thought in November. So I'm happy. But, like, when you look at the calendar now, that's six whole months away. That is a long time away miles from where we thought we would be right xbox came in the summer and they said hey all of these games that you see they promised silk they promised hollow knight if you remember miles they had hollow knight out there that they trotted out and we're like yeah next 12 months that game is out it's like well Part i don't two, know about baby. that one big dog i don't know about that and so they said hey this game is going to be out in the next 12 months clearly it's not and you had that feeling of like doesn't seem like it when it's not at the latest developer developer direct we haven't mm -hmm. really touched on it months. And so clearly that wasn't in the card. So I can see how some people are like, man, I'm hurt. That sucks, right? Like I wanted to play that sooner than later, but six months is some time to wait. Hopefully in June, they can wow us, right? Me and the X-Cast crew just last week talked about like, what are the things, what are your expectations for June? How do you wow me, Todd Howard? Make me believe and get me excited to wait that extended time that we have to do because this for me is a game that like, cannot miss miles we coming off of skyrim and fallout 4 and fallout 76 like a lot of those games in this bethesda catalog are games of a generation these are games oh. that have lived for years right and so when i look at todd the team i'm like all right deliver me a game of a generation that's set in the sci-fi world like i expect the world from you here and so i'm very excited of what we're going to see in starfield i am sad that we have to wait another six months but i did temper my expectations long ago so i'm not too concerned too concerned because we have a lot of games but you and i i'm sure we'll talk about it like the xbox roadmap calendar now in my mind we were going to have forza by now forza is still undated in my mind we were going to have starfield that would leave the second half of the year open for another banger hellblade 2 where are you at when are we going to push that thing out there finally and so i thought we'd start making a little bit of progress towards that Matt Booty dream of more of an awesome cadence of games. But one slapper per quarter, that. bro. Yeah, but we haven't quite hit that. But maybe this is the, hey, what if, Mike, we slow it down? What if I give you Minecraft? What if I give you Redfall? What if I give you Forza? What if I give you Starfield this year? And that allows me to push Hellblade into next year, Avowed into the next year following it. And we start to find that cadence and I can at least prepare for that instead of, Hey, I give it all to you right now. Miles shucks. That's everything <laughs> I got. Unfortunately, I didn't pan it out. I didn't slow it down a little bit. Now we got to wait again. So maybe that's what they're doing. And I'm hoping for that, 
But like, yeah, Starfield is going to be dope. I'm excited, Miles. I'm excited. It's a new Bethesda IP. So I think regardless of where you stand on like a, being a hardcore Xbox fan, hardcore PlayStation fan, exclusivity, blah, blah, blah. I think it's just exciting that Bethesda is putting out a new IP. Generally yeah. speaking, they have such a pedigree for creating immersive RPGs that people love. Skyrim, Fallout 3 and 4 are people's favorite games of all time. People's favorite games, and that's not something that people say lightly. There's a lot of competition in the space. There's a lot of amazing, groundbreaking, genre-defying video games that have come out in our lifetimes. But people consistently point to Bethesda games as, as their favorites ever, and that has a lot of weight and i think that's why people have been so eager and antsy to get more info on starfield and to know when they're playing it so when they did the 12 month thing at the last showcase i publicly said i think you know based on the fact that they were so light in 2022 i understand why they did it from a marketing perspective they had to come out and message that we have games coming and there are games coming soon uh, and so that was the reason. And obviously they're not hitting that with Forza. They're not going to be hitting that with Starfield. And so that's that's made some people frustrated and disappointed in the messaging of Xbox. And I think it's fair to be disappointed in that messaging. Um, obviously Xbox did that for marketing purposes. You know, and marketing doesn't always align with the reality of game development. And that's just unfortunately the nature of the beast. And so Xbox made a marketing call to say, we're going to do we're going to say everything here is come is targeting the next 12 months and never said for sure all of these things have release dates and we didn't get release dates and then as we got closer to the end of the year as we got closer to the start of this year and we still hadn't seen starfield we still hadn't really gotten any sort of update on what starfield was looking like um but then we'd see kind of vague promises reiterating yeah it's 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 coming in the first half or you had people speculating that it might hit june and my mentality was, if it's hitting June at this point, it is going to be the, the last day, the last yes, possible exactly. day of June. And they're only doing that purely out of obligation. They're only doing that purely to deliver on that marketing promise. And I publicly said this before. I don't care you know, what the marketing promise is. I don't care how it was messaged originally. A game should not come out on an arbitrary date. And Xbox, as a massive publisher with a lot of resources, they don't, they don't need to adhere to those arbitrary dates. So when we got the first Starfield release date, 11, 11, 22, my initial thought was, damn, they're giving themselves plenty of time. They announced this release date like a year ahead. This game must be close to being done, and they're going to spend this entire next year polishing, getting things done, and tightened up. And then when they announced that delay six months ahead, I was like, oh, damn, no, this was just an arbitrary. They just thought that date looked cool. They just thought that 11, 11, that 22. That did look cool, though. That again, it, did look cool, yeah. It did tie into the, the history of Skyrim and stuff like that. And on paper, maybe they thought, yeah, we could do it, sure. But if you're going to be bold enough to come out and give us that date a year ahead of time, you better know damn sure that that game is shipping. And we're just we're seeing more and more teams having to hit these arbitrary dates. And again, I speak on this behalf because I'm not the one personally investing the money. So I don't have that financial risk. And I understand we have to balance the art in the business of game development as boring as that is for me as a player, for me as a creative, hearing the balance of business and art, it, it's not exciting. It's not exciting to say, okay, well, we have this corporate deadline. We have this hit. We have this quarterly fiscal target. Um, we have these budgets to adhere to. And that's why this game's coming out this day. That's why this game is coming out in this state is because we just have to get it out the door. and. Most games, really, it gets to that point where they say, all right, 
we don't we we cannot give you more time the game just has to come out in whatever state it is and that's always a bummer to hear so i didn't want starfield to come out on the last possible day of june just so xbox could say we did it guys we gave you this game in the 12 months don't be mad at us but if that game wasn't an absolute banger people would be mad and so that's why you touched on this briefly and my next question is how much pressure is on starfield to deliver after all of these delays, after all this anticipation, how much pressure is on Bethesda and Xbox to make sure that this is the best Bethesda game that's come out? And I'm sure there's a ton. Like, in reality, there's a ton, right? You've chosen a new genre, a new IP to come out with after 25 years of being a studio. It's a big deal, right, Miles? Yeah. But, like, at the same time, is there pressure? Because all we're looking for is just a Fallout and or Skyrim in space. And you've clearly done that. So, like, on the ground level, the basic level, all we're doing is expecting Skyrim in space. And if you can deliver that... Todd Howard has said those job, exact words. Right? Like, that, this is just a, a Skyrim in space. Okay, <laughs> that's really what we're expecting. So, like, is there massive pressure for that? Probably not. They've been there, done that. But the pressure is, of course, with any game and any franchise that we beloved, like publishers and developers, like we see here, is... How do you evolve? How do you continue to grow, right? Like, especially after Fallout 76. Yeah, Fallout 76 today is a much better place than day one. But people only remember day one, right? And so we come back and we know Skyrim day one was very tough. A lot of people have a ton of bugs. They were mad about their saves not really being what they were supposed to be. Now you look at it and go, okay, can we tighten up the bugs a little bit? Can you deliver yeah. on this promise of, a thousand planets and making them worth my time and worthwhile because in all reality skyrim's a game that people still play to this day skyrim's a game yep. that you get lost in and play for thousands of hours and if they can deliver that in space well man we got a hit and so i wonder really what the pressure is because for me it's like just deliver the very basic and you did it but i think the pressure would be me walking into that studio and telling the team we got to evolve we got to do something just a little bit more than what we've already done, whether it be from character creation or to dialogue options and what that's going to be to your companions, to the world. Will we have more of a story that like people will love and want to replay? Will there be enough base building and ship customization that people will never want to stop? Right. And so the pressure is, is can we make another game that will last 10 years? Can we make the joke miles? In 2020, in 2033, hey, Starfield, it's on your smart fridge. Like, that's the yeah. pressure that I want to see right there. Ex exactly. And when we look at Starfield, when we look at the current state of Xbox and then Bethesda pre-acquisition, because I think realistically, if Bethesda was still independent, that Starfield would have hit that 11-11 release date. I think they would have figured it out. They would have put it out because... We know that Bethesda was under financial pressure ahead, and that's one of the reasons that you know this this acquisition came to be is to kind of offset some of that so that the team could focus on making the games and not necessarily have to stress constantly about you know the money coming in because that's the hard reality here is when you look at budgeting budgeting a game when you look at release schedules you look at you know bug thesda as people meme about at a certain point <laughs> you need the money coming in to work on the next project it's just it's just the reality and a lot of these developers fall into that and it's it's not their fault it's just the reality of the business and it creates all this stress on the organization on the quality of the games and when i look at 
Xbox Game Studios, when I look at Bethesda, when I look at these delays, when I look at the pressure that's on the game, my thought goes to Xbox basically promised us, everyone involved, the players and the developers, that if you join Xbox Game Studios, you will have the resources to make games better than you've ever made them before. You'll be empowered to develop games. And so when I see them, you know, Xbox taking the, the PR hits, because as we're seeing in the chat, as we're seeing online, people are claiming that Xbox is lying, that Xbox has terrible messaging. They're taking those PR hits to make sure that this game comes out in a solid, polished state. Because realistically, we can't, we just, we can't have another situation where we have a, a, a Halo Infinite that has all of this momentum, all of this goodwill, and then the post-launch conversations about the game are incredibly negative. Xbox, in a lot of ways, has had a lot of butts attached to their games. And this is coming from an Xbox fan. I love Xbox. I primarily play on Xbox. Xbox has some of my favorite franchises of all time. Sea of Thieves, I've confidently said, is one of Xbox's most important IP of the last decade. Its launch was filled with butts. Like, there was a lot of problems with that game at launch. Gears 5, same deal. A lot of problems there at launch. Halo Infinite, a lot of problems there at launch. Like, I just want Xbox, and I think Xbox understands that they need just an unquestionable hit. Forza, we've seen them do it with Forza Horizon. Forza Horizon 5, I think, was their first, like, this is a mega game. Nobody's complaining about the game. There's nothing negative. Everyone is just celebrating it, embracing it, and that's why it's at, like, 25 million players. I think we're even close to 30 at this point. So they've done it. They've, they've, they've done it with Forza Horizon 5. I just want to see them do that more consistently. So when I look at what Starfield could be with its release, I just want it to be a game that comes out and, and has no baggage attached to it. So Xbox yeah. can say, you can play this undeniable game of the year contender day one on Xbox Game Pass. I don't care who you are, where you play, you can play one of the best games that is available on any console right here. And they haven't had that really with Game Pass in a lot of avenues. Um, so this is a test in some ways to see if they can deliver their first big undeniable hit day one into Xbox Game Pass. Because Halo Infinite was shaping up to be that, but I think... I think it's fair to say it wasn't that. It wasn't. No, you can. You can. It's totally fair to say that, <laughs> right? But I mean, yeah, you're so right. You look at Xbox and you, you said it so well. It's like they're taking the hits, right? Allowing these developers more time. Look at Psychonauts two and what Xbox yeah. was able to do to help that team over at Double Fine elevate that game into the hit that it was, right? You look at passion projects from Pentiment to Grounded, things that like probably wouldn't have happened with those studios if they didn't have the backing, right? And so if Xbox. Is going to be able to take the hit and take that on the chin. That's great. I'm sure when we get into June, they, they probably will not use the in the next 12 months <laughs> mantra ever again. It will be very interesting to see when we go to the next big game summer showcase, if that is the terminology that they ever use again. I think it was something that the fan base had an outcry for. Hey, we're sick of you showing games like State of the K3, that's maybe five years out. I don't want to know about that. I want to know about what's coming to my console right now. And I think they yeah. took all that in over the years, and they were like, all right, like, how do we make a show like that? And clearly, they put it together, and if we brought up the big board, we could put X's and check marks amongst all the games that they announced, and they tried, right? And I think <laughs> that's where we're at right now, is we're in a state of we're trying things, and we're going to see if it works, and we're going to give you our best, 
after we know what works and doesn't work. And sometimes we're going to fail. Us as human beings, we fail sometimes. And it's all right to fail because you get up and learn and come back a different way the next time. And I think this summer, we'll see Xbox definitely probably not ever say 12 months again, which will be the right call, and do something different, which I'm excited for. But on the Starfield side, like, this is really exciting because now we can stop talking about, oh, when's the date? Where do we stand? When's the developer mm -hmm. direct? We have everything out of the way. And now we can just focus on, man, oh, man, are you excited for Starfall or what? Because you can go over to their YouTube page. You can click on a 16-video playlist that I promise you, if you watch all the way through, will get you jazzed up and pumped up for Starfield, right? The dream of two different coming out of the vault moments, Miles, is awesome to me, right? Like, yeah. I love that coming out of the vault or that Starfield, who are, or that Skyrim, who are you moment, right? Like, that's going to be so awesome and exciting. And the first time you leave a planet and go into orbit, what does that look like and feel like? The first time you find a planet and you say, I'm going to go plant my flag on that. I'm going to see what happens down there. Or that first awesome city, like the concept and the design of these cities that they've put out there, that fishing village that have made their money off of psychedelic fishes that like is a drug now and they've made it only legal on this planet and people are out there it's like a casino gambling fish drug planet like i'm like yeah i'm all about that i want this right and so the hype now should be very real and the excitement for june on how they present this whether it be 10 minutes 30 minutes 45 minutes whatever this bethesda team does all eyes will be on them and it's really pumped up and excited yeah wait. buddy like i've i've joked around about how like sci-fi is not really my bag so like i'm i'm personally more excited for stuff like redfall than starfield but that being said i i trust bethesda i've loved so many bethesda games over the years i think fallout 3 was kind of my the, the game that made me forever loved bethesda yeah like i played morrowind loved morrowind loved oblivion but then when fallout 3 hit I was like, damn, these guys get it. These guys know how to build a world. They know how to keep me engaged. And Fallout 3 was the game that I was like, I'm playing every single Bethesda game that comes out. I don't care what the setting is. So that's how I feel about Starfield. Even though it's not like my bag 100%, like I'm going to be there day one to see what the worlds are that they've created in this. I mean, now they have, there's multiple worlds. They're creating an entire universe. It's not just one planet anymore. So yeah. it's really exciting. We're seeing that Bethesda purchase start to pay off now, right? Like now yeah. is the time we talked about. It's like, you bought the studio. Well, guess what? They were already in mid-development of a number of games. They already had partnerships already laid out, right? We look at Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop, right? But like now we're getting to the stage where, hey, this is under the Xbox umbrella. You're going to start seeing those games come to your side. Redfall, Hi-Fi Rush, Elder Scrolls Online is still going to be kicking butt, Right. Starfield is coming your way. We're finally getting to see that. And the same will be said for if this Activision, Blizzard, and King deal go through, right? Miles is like, there's going to be some time, right? There's going to be some time where it's not quite there yet. But once we hit that moment, we're going to be off and running. And we're right there right now for Bethesda, where we're going to be off and running from this point forward. Yes, that's what I want, is I want, you know, just the floodgates to be open. We've seen Hi-Fi Rush, we've seen Forza Horizon, we've seen a lot of games come out and kind of show, you know, what the future of Xbox Game Studios can be. And, you know, if Redfall hits and that's what I want it to be, and if Starfield hits and that's what everyone wants it to be, then, damn, this year's going to be a huge testament to the future of Xbox. And I think that's why so many people are 
anxious and excited for the hardcore fans who just want the win, who want to go to the PlayStation fans and say, see, Nana, you, boo -boo. you don't get to play this and it's a banger. Like there's that part of it as well. But I think realistically what a lot of fans want is just all of these wild possibilities and dreams of what the future could be to, to come true and to start getting the games that everyone wants and or I guess in some ways promised. So it's exciting, Mike. It's exciting. I'm okay. ready. Bring, bring back Wolfenstein. Continue Doom. Show me what Quake could be. Take these IPs that I love and make them great. Somehow bring back Fallout New Vegas. Please, God, team up with that other team <laughs> over at Obsidian and make that happen, right? Yes. Because I cannot wait for another decade for another Fallout game, and I really want it to return to New Vegas in some way, shape, or form. So... Yeah, it's, it's it's exciting time, Miles. And I know everybody likes to do the, oh, we one-upped you, we have this, you don't have that. But as gamers, right, like I would say most gamers love to play games anywhere that's a good game, right? Like you and I were jazzed up about Spider-Man, right? Yeah. We're super jazzed up Venom, about the dude. Zelda Oof. coming out. Like there's a ton of games that I'm just excited to play and I don't care where I play them, but it is awesome to see the team that I love with Xbox who I have had since the OG to Xbox 360 era where my place to play is finally start to say, Hey, we're, we're making our way back and we're going to give you the games that you deserve. And we're not going to be stuck in the crackdown three and Xbox one era anymore. So I, I'm, I'm happy they're making a turn with this. Yes, dude. It's, it's awesome to see PlayStation, Nintendo and Xbox go into 2023, each one with a huge game. I uh, just, yes. I don't care who you are, where you play. You can't look at stuff like Spider-Man 2, Starfield, and Tears of the Kingdom and tell anyone with a straight face that those games are not going to be gargantuan. So mm -hmm. it is, it's amazing. And like you said, you know, money's a hurdle for some people, understandably. But um, yeah, I'm going to go where the games are. I'm going to go where the great games are, and I'm going to find a way, somehow, some way to play a great game. Um, so obviously, we all have our preferences, but, and this is said time and time again, mo what's most important for a lot of people are the games, not really the platform that they're tied to. Yep. I'm gonna get to a couple super chats here before we transition into the Xbox Game Showcase for 2023. Uh, we got Face 23BKNY says, my most anticipated game is Resident Evil 4 Remake. Mm. Ooh. That's probably mine too right now, you, baby. Let's go. You get go. that in just like 14 days. That's like two weeks away, my two guy. Two weeks so away. Get yeah. fun. Let's go. Another one from Face 23 BKNY says Spider-Man 2 and Starfield head to head. You think Spider-Man 2 is going to drop September as well? You think they're going to do that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be in that window. I don't know if it will be September, right? But like, yeah, of course, it's probably going to be in the big time window, which is September, October, November, right? Like those are the big time windows for these big fall releases. So it will be in that window, but the coolest part is like, man, we're going to have some great games to play. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Super chat from Hargeet Chani who says, wait, did I just hear the slander of <laughs> Sons of the Forest more anticipated than Tears of the Kingdom? Just kidding, Mike. Have a wonderful Saturday. You're the best, dude. It is so great to see you in all of the Xbox communities. Thank you for your support. Uh, yes, you did hear that because, Miles, you and I have talked about it. I'm an N64 kid. That was my first ever console, but I played Nothing but third-party games on my N64. <laughs> and Griffey Jr., Rampage, Gauntlet Legends. Oh, right? like, Gauntlet I, Legends. Yes. You know, I, I'm sorry to say this the day after Mario Day, but I still, to this day, have never really played a Mario game. I've once tried Mario N64 
for like three hours. I tried Super Mario Odyssey for an hour, but like I've never really played a Mario game. I've never really played a Zelda game. I tried um, whatever the last one was that everybody loves, Breath of the Wild, for a couple hours on Kind of Funny. But man, oh man, I need to get my button gear and play some of these awesome franchises. I'm really lucky they just made the um, Metroid Prime remake because I I thought Samus was a Smash Bros. character. I thought Kirby was a Smash Bros. <laughs> character. And here I am getting to play these awesome games. So, you know, hopefully when Tears of the Kingdom comes out, I get a good push and I jump on it. But man, I'll still continue to circle back. That hardware just kills me. I think the dream of the Switch and what it was when that first came out was an awesome idea. But now where we're at in 2023, I need something more powerful. I need something more reliable. I want a better system from Nintendo where I can put it underneath my TV cabinet and I have a blast. But I do love the idea. Still to this day, Miles, I will say I still love the idea of the Switch. I love the idea of strong home console, pick it up, go play it anywhere. Like it's a very cool vision. It's just not strong enough in 2020. Just give me the, just, I need just 60 FPS. All right. When I look at the switch pro, oh. it doesn't need to be 4k. Like it, it doesn't, I'm not expecting it to be, you know, native 4k for most games, but give me that 60 baby. Let me play, please. Let me play tears of the kingdom. Let me play yeah. Pokemon at 60. It can be 720 P 60. I don't care. <laughs> just give me that 60 FPS. All right. Like I love my switch. I love the idea of it, but like you at this point, you know, games are, they're starting to feel a little, little old. Mm. Starting yeah. to feel a little rough. You know, it's wild. We, we endured Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. People are like, okay, like, <laughs> what is next? Because this ain't doing it, bro. This ain't doing it for me. But I mean, shout out to a good year because yeah, Sons of the Forest, you know, I had a really great time with the Forest Miles. I shared it with someone I loved. We had a ton of fun playing together, getting lost in that scary, freaky world on the island. We built a fun base. Like, I was so jazzed up for Sons of the Forest and I'm still having a good time. I know a lot of people are very, you know, kind of mixed on it, a little bit down because it does feel content light. But of course, it's one of those games, right? Where it's going to come out in like, quote unquote, preview window, and it's just going to slowly add things to it. And I know that wasn't really the vision a year ago or six months ago. We thought we were getting the full game, but like, here it is. You're slowly putting things out and I'm having a ton of fun with it. But like, I look at Kerbal Space Program too. Loved it. Can't wait for that. Playing that, having fun, trying to send things to space. I look forward to Diablo, right? Yeah, dude. Starfield, yes. man. Like I'm getting all these games that I love and I'm just, it's a great year for video games, which is really exciting to say. Speaking of great video games potentially coming in 2023, Xbox quietly confirmed their Xbox games showcase this, this year. And they, alongside the Starfield announcement, they confirmed that the Xbox, um, this is quotes, Xbox games showcase is coming on June 11th. So previously we had talked about how like moving forward, was Xbox going to keep the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase branding, or were they going to eventually after a couple ditch that? And it sounds like based on these tweets that they are just calling it the Xbox games showcase now to kind of celebrate the, the, the all all in one family of, of Xbox. Moving oh, forward. I like so, that. Miles. So that's what you see miles. I like that. Okay. Okay. Good. I like that. I love that. Cause miles. I was, you know, obviously they wanted to celebrate Bethesda and Bethesda still wanted to celebrate its, you know, identity, I think initially, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I think as we look forward, I think it just made more sense because especially if Activision is acquired by Xbox, are we really going to have the, 
Xbox and Bethesda and Activision Games Showcase. Like, is that is that the branding they want to commit to? So I think just calling it Xbox Game Showcase streamlined a little bit. But oh, I'm happy touched, to hear that. You touched on some of the points that I wanted to touch on. Firstly, the 12 month promise of last year, the, the Xbox and games, Xbox and Bethesda games showcase the infamous line that every game you see today is coming in the next 12 months. I think you clearly stated that you don't expect them to do that ever again. And is it safe to say you don't want to see them do that ever again? And that's a tough one, Miles. You know what I mean? It, it is a very delicate dance, right? Because I did like the idea of here's what's coming in the next 12 months. I think there is going to be a segment of this that is, hey, here's what's coming in the next 12 months. And then here's what you can look forward to. That might be the new kind of pitch for all of this. Instead of what we had before, where it was just a grab bag of things and we were throwing things out there and you were getting excited and you saw one date, you never saw another date back and forth. Or do we just go back and say, hey, year number two, we've committed to the 12 month thing. This is what we want to do. But I don't like it as much, to be honest with you, Miles. I was always someone who said, tease me with something far away, right? Like, Give me, give me sure a little tease. Sprinkle it in me, there. Give me that little Fable CGI trailer. Like, that's all right with me. Like, I want to see what you have in your back pocket that you can tease me, right? And it's such a delicate dance because there's a part of me that's like, show it to me and I want it now. But also, like, tease me with some cool projects that you're doing, right? Like, let's see where you go. And hopefully xbox in the next five years has the pipeline going where we're turning out things at a better pace right and we can start getting to a better timeline of hey this is this year here's some teases that will be in the next two years we'll see and hear from them and next year and the year after that right like maybe that's where we get to but i think this summer we will probably ditch that right or maybe we find a better blend but we'll probably ditch that and i bet you we go back to years prior where it's just a bunch of games and we're doing this, and the, you see a you see a trailer trailer or like a CGI trailer for Wolfenstein Three, and you're like, oh my god! And they're like, no date on that, probably a long way away. You know what I mean? So we'll probably do that. It will be interesting. Do they do they talk about last year? Do they say, hey, here's the here's the wall that we promised. You know, these are out now. These are still coming. You know, that's a tough one to do there, Mark. It's it's a tough balance because. Obviously, going into last year, regardless of how you felt about the 12-month plan or strategy, so much noise in the community was Xbox has no games coming out anytime soon. Xbox has no games coming out in 2022. And so they had to show something, and that's kind of the, the trap they fell into when they showed Everwild, State of Decay 3, Avowed, all of these games. Because going into that show... Everyone was like, well, Xbox has no games. Like, Xbox has nothing coming that I know about. And so they said, here, look, we do have a bunch of stuff coming. We are working on a lot of games. We're not going to give you dates. We're not going to give you windows. But we're going to let you know that these games are happening. And so I'm going to put on my, my positive tinfoil hat here for a second. because you brought the up, positivity. You, you brought up something that was a really interesting idea that I've been thinking about a lot recently when it comes to pacing and cadence. We know Xbox, as we've seen with delays, they, they're willing to take the hit. They're willing to take the PR lashing to set themselves up for success. So, what if Xbox looked at its slate? They looked at their Everwilds. They looked at their Avowed's. They looked at their Redfalls, Starfields. They looked at everything they had on the table, and they said, you know what, Bethesda, take more time on Redfall. Take more time on Starfield. We're just going to take the hit. We're going to take the hit for... We're going to take an entire year hit 
and just start setting the foundation and the blueprint for our future cadence of video games. We understand that we are not gonna have anything immediately out. We're gonna lean into third-party partners. We're gonna lean into indie devs. We're gonna give this roadmap that paints a picture, but we know realistically, we're not gonna have anything in the next 12 months, but we are trying to set ourselves up for a better, more consistent future. So what if some of these delays, what if some of these, these pushes were to be more in line with, you know, kind of, I guess, how Nintendo operates in the sense where they will have games that are done completely done and they will sit on that game for months six months a, a year up, upwards of a year in some cases and with the current state of development so much of it is like you are working on that game up until the day that it drops you are working on that game until 24 hours until it hits the stores like that is how a lot of game development works so my, my positive tinfoil hat and spin is here maybe potentially we are going to see a more consistent Xbox moving forward because of some of these delays that they want to have a, a better idea. And because we've heard Matt Booty joke or basically joke about like, oh, yeah, it's, it's hard to like plan our calendars out because we have so many games coming. And a lot of people were like, sure, Matt, then where are they if that's the case? But I'm wondering if there was some truth to that and they are just trying to set this foundation. It is, it is that time. Right, like that's where the dream and that's where they want to be. It will be interesting to see, uh, you know, the future of what they do and how they really organize all of this. And you might be right, maybe they sit on things, maybe they hold it and they hit that better one. I mean, we look at the now though, like they definitely have to address the now. Yep. Is Forza going to be a shadow drop? Like, we already know Forza was supposed to be, you know, they said spring, right? Is this going to be before June or is this going to be something where it's like, hey, guess what? You know, we talked about Forza today it's out here we go you know what i mean do, do we use that where do we go with titles that we know about state of decay we talked about avowed perfect dark right like these games that we've seen the chat brings up of like we've seen a lot of games mike i don't want to see cgi trailers let's see the games now is it time to start showing those are they ready to rock and roll and hellblade how many more times can you show me hellblade miles without finally releasing the game that's my concern about that game the next time I see Hellblade, it better be here's the date. At this point, yes. like I've seen it enough. Like I'm excited about the game, excited about the project. Please don't show me anything else. Just give me the date. And if that takes more time, so be it. I am still kind of of the camp that there maybe is a world where Hellblade 2 drops this fall. But, um, you know, obviously that's at this point, it's too early to say. But I think there is yeah. a possibility where we see that as the big holiday game for Xbox. If Starfield is their September game which I thought there was maybe a world where Starfield is the big holiday game because why not? Um, but if Starfield is September, that makes me feel like they got something cooking, something mm, cooking interesting for the last miles. few months. They're not going to have another holiday without a big game. Let me, let me, let me tell you that. I see, I'm on the other side. I think now you've spread everything out to the point where you don't need Hellblade. Hellblade will be in the spring of next year or early next year instead you know what i mean you've already given them four titles there yeah, it that's is true there's a there's our three months one one banger every three months there it is now we yeah. get more into that rotation the following one so what if it is hey there's your four next year 2020 2024 is hellblade maybe avowed maybe we have two more in the pipeline ready to rock and roll and we start to set ourselves up for at least that cadence of first party turnout big bangers like you want that's the dream. The one per quarter dream mm -hmm. 
They ha they they talked about it years ago. They haven't hit it so far, but you know, regardless of how you feel about the delays from last year, this year is looking good for Xbox. And if we have Redfall, we have Starfield, we have Forza, we have Minecraft Legends, we have Aura, we have a couple Age of Empires, and we have Starfield. Even if it's just those, that's a pretty solid offering for one calendar year, regardless of, you know, this again, this is ignoring the delays because I know some, some people are like, well, Starfield and Redfall don't count because they were delayed, but I mean, they, they count now. All right. The past is the past. They delayed mm -hmm. it. We got to look at the now and we got to look at the future so we're at they, right now. If they do all of that in 2023, that is a damn good year. That's a damn any pup like Nintendo and PlayStation. Like they don't hit cadences like that very often. Nintendo every now and then will have a freak year where they just stack the deck. But for the most part, PlayStation and Nintendo aren't delivering that consistently in any calendar year. So as an Xbox fan, let's say that we don't get any new games announced for the back half of 2023. Are you going to be content with Starfield being the big send off at the uh, in September of this year? I will be very content with Starfield being the big send off of the year with all the other third party and other, you know, exclusive games on other platforms, right? I will be very fine. I will not go down saying that this was the best year for Xbox first party games. I think it is a good year. I don't think it's even a strong year, right? Like when you put those four up there, Minecraft, Forza, Redfall, and Starfield, right? And there's some others sprinkled in there, right? But if we look at the four big titles that we're really propping up here, I don't think they're the strongest that they've been or the strongest they will be. I think here in the coming years, we'll see them even stronger. But this four titles, they're all right to me. They're good to me. I wish it was more. Like, I wish they were just stronger quality titles, but it's okay. You know what I mean, Miles? I look at the four and I just go down the list of like Minecraft Legends. Minecraft, I think, really figured it out with Dungeons. I don't think a quote-unquote hero real-time strategy game with up to four players is the perfect formula for that. And maybe I'll be, you know, proven wrong once we get to the release date, but I don't think it will have the legs and the excitement like Minecraft Dungeons did. I think when you put Minecraft in the Diablo world, it's an easier sell to everyone as opposed to what if Minecraft was like Age of Empires? Then I think you get a little bit less of a power for it. Yeah. Like a I, lot of, tell me. I was gonna say, I'm interested in Minecraft Legends. I'm not amped mm. up. I, like when exactly. they announced Minecraft Dungeons, I was like, let's go, baby. I'm, I'm yes. gonna be there. I will dip my toes into Minecraft Legends to see what the hell's going on. It looks fun. It looks like it has potential to be fun. Uh, I just don't think it's going to, I mean, it's Minecraft, so it will have widespread appeal, but I think that genre is a bit more niche, generally speaking. So a lot of people are going to dive in, play it because it's Minecraft, and I'll be really curious to see what the retention is, if it's going to keep people engaged, or if people are going to check it out and say, I'm just going to go play Minecraft. Like, this isn't necessarily what I wanted. And that's but, fine, right? You yeah, can I do that. I think that's but, totally fine. Yeah, and I, I continue to go down, right? Like, I think a lot of people are bumping their gums about Forza. Right, like, and I'm one of them. I'm excited to jump into Forza, right? Like, GT7 got me really excited about a track racer, but how many of us are really sticking around for a Forza track racer? I think the general audience loves Forza Horizon because you can do anything, you can go anywhere. It is more of the arcade sim. Is, is Forza Motorsport going to bring in a larger audience than just its established, smaller, true-to-form racing audience? And I don't think it is. 
right? Like when we talk about Forza Motorsport a year from now, I don't think people are going to be like, yo, I can't stop playing that. I've explored every road and everything like Forza Horizon back in the day. No, I think you're going to race those tracks and you're going to notice that the general audience, this is way above their head and they don't want to keep playing that one. So I don't think Forza Motorsport is the biggest and the baddest, right? Starfield, yeah, I think Starfield has that big push right there. Redfall will be a very interesting beast. I look forward to seeing how Redfall delivers, right? Because it's had a lot of mixed messaging. It's coming from a team that makes some really awesome single player games where they put you at the forefront of it. Now, can you deliver that with four people running around? Can you make a game that's interesting in a, a world that's bigger than you've ever done? Is this just going to be a seven game where we just kind of play it for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and that just dies off? I, I'm very excited to see what these four titles at the end of the day, if they're that. And someone put in Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, we'll include Hi-Fi Rush in that one for sure. So you have five titles there, but I don't think this is Xbox at its strongest by any means. This is, I think this is them laying the groundwork for hopefully what the future looks like every year, I think is, is like I talked about my, my tinfoil hat theory is this is more or less like, all right, we're, we're taking the hits. We're setting out a blueprint of, of what the cadence is going to be, what you can expect from us. And we're going to start showing you more of these games that we've talked about previously. Um, Forza, you mentioned Forza Motorsport. Forza Motorsport, I don't think will be anywhere near as big as Forza Horizon. Um, I still think it's going to be a very big game. And as we've seen with Gran Turismo 7, even though that game wasn't like universally beloved, um, it still did exceptionally well, still had a huge audience. I think Forza Motorsport will be that. It will have its dedicated audience that will love it, that will connect with it, but it will not have the mainstream like, oh, damn, I need to sign up for Xbox Game Pass right now. I need to run out and buy an Xbox right now to get Forza Motorsport. I don't I think mean, it's Miles, we were talking about Forza Horizon being a game of the year contender on like multiple outlets and at the game of the game awards with Jeff Keighley. I don't think more motorsport will be that not that kind of hype. No, no, I, I just can't like Forza Motorsport or Forza Horizon five was like a, a, an anomaly. It felt like that game was massive an absolute juggernaut big. Like it just tra it like it overshadowed the launch of Halo Infinite in some ways. Like Halo Infinite didn't see the numbers that Forza Horizon did. So that game was huge. So they're not going to, they're not going to get that from Forza Motorsport, but I still think for the Sim fans, it'll, it'll be there and it'll cater to that core audience. And we'll kind of solidify the Xbox platform as like, yo, if you like racing games, we have two of the best. We have Forza Motorsport. If you're a Sim guy, and we have Forza Horizon. If you're more of a casual fan, but if you're a fan of racing, boom, you need you need Xbox. And I think they can say that now. Forza, yeah. I think, in many ways, has I used to love Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo used to be my go-to. But in recent years, I think Forza Motorsport has kind of become the the all-star of the of the racing circuit. Sim-wise and now casual with Forza. So there's still weight there. But when we look at the scope of this whole year, I do I do want to see one more big pop for the holiday. If if Starfield is it. And again, I'm, it's still a good year. I'm not saying it's a bad year by any means, but I will be slightly disappointed if there isn't one more big pop for Xbox during the holiday season. Because as we saw with God of War last year, if you want to sell consoles, if you want to get people subscribed to a subscription service, you want to get people invested in your ecosystem, you kind of need that big holiday drop. And X, yeah. if you look at PlayStation's numbers, my God, the boosts that they saw for God of War Ragnarok when it comes to console sales, engagement, software sales were huge. 
And so I think Xbox is not going to just ignore that. Again, they're not going to force anything out if nothing's ready, but I am hoping there is something that is ready and it would be dope if that was Hellblade 2. I think that would be but, a nice, nice touch to the year, but we'll see five we'll games, see. five games at the end of the year, plus some great compliments, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Age of Empires 2 on console is awesome, Miles. They did yeah, a terrific buddy, yeah. job with that. But like, I don't think mainstream audience is going, yo, I got to play Age of Empires 2. Like, that's a, if you're down with an RTS game, that's the RTS game. But like, great job on console. Excited to see, of course, 4 come to console as well. That's a big deal. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's some nice touches. And of course, some good Game Pass partnerships that we've seen thus far that have been some nice touches as well. Of course, I think we look back on Atomic Heart. That didn't hit the way people really hyped it to hit up. You know what I mean? But you'll you'll have some more coming your way. Civ 6 is a nice win here this yep. month. So there's more coming your way. This is going to be a good year for Xbox, which is exciting to say. That's what you want. This is a good year. and We need that. We got a super chat from the legend, Hargeet Chani, with an interesting possibility for Holiday and Xbox. With ABK, assuming it completes, Xbox already has a massive game coming out this fall, Call of Duty. Would still love to see one more, but Call of Duty is enough. So what if, again, tinfoil hat time once again, what if they purposely put Starfield in September so that when COD hits in October or November, when this deal closes, they can just bang that drum as loud as they possibly can. We have Call of Duty now! And that's just like their holiday is, is Call of Duty. Do you think that's a potential strategy that they're sitting on? Oh, it'd be a massive strategy. I mean, not only just the Call of Duty win, but the whole library, right? Like we saw that with Bethesda, where it's like, hey, guess what? All those Bethesda titles, they're now on Game Pass, right? And so you would get a massive win of putting all of those around holiday time as well right on that service would be a big win. And then you look over at the PC side of things, right? Like a big piece of this, everybody talks about mobile, which is probably the eyes on the prize for the future. But right now for standard gamers, you're looking at the console side of things, which is that big Activision library that you wanna see. You wanna see Call of Duty into all of this because I'm sure we're all sick of paying $60 a year for Call of Duty, but gosh darn it, I'll do it every single time, Miles. But on the flip side, like, Game Pass PC will get a massive boost, right? We're talking right now about the Riot deal being a big deal if you're a PC gamer. Now you start to put in what could be awesome titles from the Blizzard, Blizznet franchise there. There's so many good ones there and the future is so bright. And right off the rip, you could play the, hey, World of Warcraft for the next three months is included in PC Game Pass, right? And then they'll figure out the deal and what they wanna do with that subscription service. But you can at least say, if you got Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox PC Game Pass, we'll jump into World of Warcraft right now. Let's just see a boost to that player base. And so it's a big deal right there if they can get that done. I don't know where we stand on that, Miles. This has been weeks and months of this <laughs> deal. And I know you had it on the docket, but man, every single time you read something, you kind of shake your head like, well, this isn't going to happen. Or like, I don't know if this has happened in this year type situation. You know, it just continues to be more and more of a headache. Yeah, it's it's definitely a headache. A lot of people in the community are sick of talking about it. We are going to talk a little bit about it, you know, just, just to preface the people. Mentally prepare. We are going to touch on some Activision Blizzard King drama. But when it comes to Call of Duty being the holiday drop, if that is the strategy, if they are trying to time it that way, I think that would be a smart play to really lean into that messaging that Call of D Xbox is the home of Call of Duty. We're not going to take it away from any other platform so you can still play where you're playing 
but you know, just so you know, just so you know, we have this little thing called Game Pass, and it's yeah. dope because guess what? You get to play two of the biggest games this year in Diablo 4 and the new Call of Duty in Game Pass. And if they could use that as a marketing approach for the holiday season, and I'm not trying to be a downer, but based on the, the current trajectory of this deal, how everything's playing out, I do not think the timing is going to be convenient enough for Diablo to launch into Game Pass, even if this deal does close. Um, I, I don't even think... I don't even think they're looking at that, Miles, to be honest with you. I think they're focused on, let's just make this deal happen. I don't think they're going, you know, I, we're getting close here. Maybe uh, November, this is going to be the one. I think they're just looking at it going, how do we overcome this obstacle that is Sony and the CMA and all this UK stuff just being a headache, a, a thorn in our side right now? Speaking, let's talk about that, Mike. Because, let's yeah. talk about it, Miles. <laughs> it's a drama. It's a, it's a sitcom. It's just, yeah, again, this is an Xbox podcast, so I'm legally obligated to talk about any Activision Blizzard <laughs> King development, okay? Um, but as much as I'm sick of talking about it in some ways, the last couple weeks have, we've had big developments, wild developments. And again, this feels like the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial where no matter who you are or where you are, you can't avoid it. People are just throwing quotes in your face, throwing clips in your face of all the drama and with us being on podcasts and being in the community, it's impossible to ignore. There's there's so much noise and energy invested in this. So we've gotten some some pretty scathing comments and some pretty scathing accusation, accusations dropped this week. So the EVP of Corporate Affairs and CCO of Activision Blizzard shared that infamous meme, the Call of Duty bike riding meme. I'm sure we all hey. saw it. That That dropped on February 21st. And everybody shared that, that went around, and basically it was her making fun of PlayStation complaining about the possibility of them losing Call of Duty when they're not going to take the Call of Duty deal that's been presented to them. And that deal is, we're going to give you 10 years of parity for content, subscription services, everything. We're going to give you a 10-year across-the-board parity like we've offered Nintendo, and Nintendo has signed it. So PlayStation is the holdout there. So in some developments this week, we got some more context for why she shared that particular meme on that particular day. And this was in response to Tom Warren on Twitter. And she claims that Jim Ryan, the president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, during the behind closed doors meetings on February 21st said, quote, I don't want a new Call of Duty deal. I just want to block your merger. So... There's been speculation in the community about, you know, what is PlayStation trying to get out of this? Are they really worried about competition? Are they trying to get a better deal for themselves when it comes to parity and, and Call of Duty? But according to this executive of Blizzard, she has essentially claimed that Jim Ryan just is doing anything in his power to straight up block the deal. There's no, there's no Call of Duty agreement that's going to make them happy. The only way that they'll be happy is if this deal just gets blocked flat out. So... Pretty explosive claim. And then since that, there's been more drama, Mike. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. I it mean, does. it doesn't stop there. But it, you you think, Miles, it, you know, is, when it comes down to business side of things, yeah, that's the clear, the right mindset to approach. They're like, we're stopping this from happening because we're not going to lose that. It's right. So I, I see his side. I see, of course, where Jim Ryan has come from. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? Uh, I know people are upset about it, but, you know, 
I, if Jim Ryan straight up said that during this meeting, that is probably the most honest thing that we've heard anyone say during this entire trial. For him to say, <laughs> I just don't want it to happen, okay? Plain and simple. is like, I mean, Clearly, we're here to stop this from happening because it's a big deal in the gaming world. Exactly, because PlayStation is going to lose money. Because what Call of Duty means for PlayStation is free money. They are the they are the majority platform. Most people buy Call of Duty on PlayStation, and that just means that PlayStation gets all of this essentially free money every single year, free easy money for them every single year. It's this just juicy revenue stream. They're just getting that split, and then somebody comes in and says, "Yeah, we might we might shake that up in a way that you get less money." If you're a business, if you're Jim Ryan, you're getting in that private jet, you're flying to Brussels and you're saying, this is bad. This is horrible for the gamers. This is horrible for the industry. This will irreversibly damage competition. Okay. This is, this is so evil. This cannot happen for so many reasons. And you're out there getting in everyone's face as soon as possible to try to stop the deal. What's your read on all these developments, Mike? What's, how is this going to play out? What, what? What's going to be it, the outcome of all this drama? It's just exciting and uh, pretty amazing to see, right? Like when you think back to the Bethesda one, you really didn't get that. This is when the word exclusivity really went wild, right? It's something that I think we dealt with on the console side of things, but this is when like, you know, on that deal, it was just the word exclusivity with Bethesda titles, but that deal just went through. This yeah. one has been like out in the forefront on everyone's mind, right? We get to read it. We get to see it. Everything is happening from, hey, Xbox is doing their best to try to fight back and make this happen. They've partnered with Nintendo, NVIDIA. Shucks, they've even gone to Steam and say, we'll still keep selling your games. And Steam is like, we don't really care about it. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Don't even talk to me. It's all good, and, dog. Do your thing. Exactly. Steam doesn't care at all. But, like, it is wild to see this is, like, at the forefront, right? It, it doesn't feel the same as the Bethesda one, right? I, I can't think back of going, when we were doing the Bethesda deal, this is how it went down. No, no, no. This is a much different side of things and you totally get it right call of duty is the big dog every single yeah. year when you look at those npd numbers call of duty is at the tippity top every single year for a reason because it is the established first person shooter franchise that any casual to hardcore gamer knows about wants and plays and buys every single year and that is a massive chunk of people's businesses right yeah. and for sony's side yeah you best believe you would be worried the same thing would be happening if Sony was trying to buy it from Xbox, right? Phil would be over there going, hold up, wait a minute. This could be a really big problem for all of us, right? Like there's no doubt in my mind that Xbox wouldn't be doing very similar stuff to try to slow this down or at least be making a better deal for themselves. And so, yeah, it's wild to watch in front of us, Miles, and it's fun and it's exciting. You don't get to see this business dealing like that really in your life if you're just a nine to five hey, I work at the mall type person, right? So we get to see it on full display and it's pretty wild of seeing all of this. I I, I don't know, Miles. It just seems to be up and down. You see one day you're like, oh man, this is positive. It's going to be fine. Like they're making deals with Nintendo. Like everybody's going to come around to it. And then on the flip side, it's like, well, in reality, Sony doesn't want that. And so they're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure this doesn't happen. Because yeah, the moment you take the biggest and the baddest and put it on one side, no matter if I even give you a 10-year deal, Miles, this sell of, hey, this is going to be exclusively on Game Pass and you can just get it in this small subscription service for $15 a month. A large chunk of that audience is going to switch sides. No matter how you paint it, it's going to happen, right? And I don't think Xbox would go as far as like giving you the lesser version, but you best believe that they're probably figuring out a way to 
just like Sony did in the past, start putting out guns, DLC, a little bit faster on one side, or maybe non-existent on the other side. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I can see both sides of this and it's exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster. Like you said, there's some days where it seems like, oh, yeah, this is going through. Everyone seems Mm -hmm. fine. And then you see a development where somebody, some regulator has made a a hard stance on the deal and what it could mean. If we take a little trip down um, memory lane, a little look at brief history. We know the weight of Call of Duty when it comes to market share. We know the weight of Call of Duty when it comes to brand reception. Because PlayStation, coming off of the PlayStation 2, which was a juggernaut, an absolute behemoth of a console, they lost a huge percentage of the market share, especially in the U.S. There was a period of time where Xbox 360 had the majority market share in the U.S. because of the Xbox 360's launch, and probably in part due to the correlation with Call of Duty. Xbox had exclusive maps. Xbox had exclusive content. There was a lot of exclusivity tied to Call of Duty and the Xbox brand. And that was a huge portion of Microsoft's business for a long time. They leaned into that heavily, much in the same way we are seeing PlayStation lean heavily into it. And there's this odd correlation between, you know, who has the the branding partnerships with Call of Duty and who's in the lead in the in the in the US at least obviously Xbox in some markets even with Call of Duty is has an uphill battle but there is a precedent that says Call of Duty carries a lot of weight carries a lot of brand recognition and power Massive amount of weight and so again PlayStation I think is looking at that and saying damn there's a chance that we could things could swing back again because we got Xbox Game Pass ramping up we have Xbox delivering a console that people are excited about and there's a potential that they're going to have Call of Duty in their ecosystem. They're going to get people just invested in that. And so, you know, if you're a business like PlayStation, who's at risk of losing that free money every single year, yeah, you don't want that to go through. Really, really don't want that to go through. So at this point, I still think it's going to go through. I don't know how extreme we're going to see concessions go, but what's going to be interesting is hypothetically, let's say this goes to court for whatever reason. Microsoft says, all right, you're not getting the deal anymore then. We're taking the deal off the table. And then let's say Microsoft wins the, this court case. They they get Activision Blizzard. What's Xbox going to do on the other side, hypothetically? what? How do you think they act, react to PlayStation? Oh, on the you other put a side? bad taste in my mouth. And now I'm going to give you a sour deal. No, they'll, they'll still, I think Phil has shown that he's going to act with class and dignity. I think so too. You know what I mean? But yeah, you'd like to say like, man, you put a bad taste in my mouth and I'm going to stick you with this one now. But like he has shown time and time again that that guy is a class act and will step right up and make the deal and make whatever needs to happen the correct way for sure. So I I don't think it will be anything bad, but like for sure you've given him a headache. He's not going to be pleased. Nobody will be no, no. So I don't, yeah, like like you, I agree. I don't think we're going to see any extreme retaliation if that is how things play out. But I don't think Microsoft is going to rush to sweeten the deal any further than saying, all right, we're going to we're going to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. But that's yeah. that's where it stops. Like, that's- Shout out to this deal as well for putting me onto some awesome content creators, right? I'm sure you've talked to them before, but Hoag Law has oh, yeah. really been fun. That's come to the forefront of like, exciting stuff to see some really smart in-depth analysis from a really smart guy you talk about destin Legary's channel over on destin's channel of like 
he's bringing on some really smart people and having some really good critiques and just analysis that you want to see. And so it is wild. It is fun. It's exciting. Go find people that are knowledgeable about this and listen and see what they think, right? See who is bringing new and different takes to it. But on my side of things with like zero knowledge of the stuff, Miles, it's like, man, what a headache from the outside. When will this go through? Will it not go through? What are some of the pieces that will fall through the cracks? But I just want it to go through, Miles, because, yeah, I want to celebrate that win with Xbox. And I want to see I want to see these developers in a better place. I want them to get away from Bobby Kotick and what has been going down over at Activision and Blizzard and see these teams in a much better and safer workplace and hopefully being able to put out better products in the end of the day. Exactly. Activision Activision and Blizzard have not been the uh the moral compass anyone should follow when it comes to how to manage people and workplaces. And so I know Microsoft can't really say like, yeah, things suck over there, but once we acquire them, like it'll be better. But I'm hoping that that's the messaging once this deal goes through. They say, okay, now we can come in, we can improve things, and we can make a big PR play to you know let people know that things are changing. I think for me, that's important. I need to know that on the other side, there is going to be some kind of change and it's not going to be, hey, Bobby Kotick's still around and um, you guys just do your own thing. You've been doing it good. We're going to let you keep on doing it, but we'll be over here if you need us. Like, that's hopefully not what it looks like on the other side. Yeah, definitely. Mom. And also, what? like, bring the games that I love. Hey, right? you, you know what I mean? You know, hey, I wanted to go now. through Diablo and Game Pass, baby. That's it. That's a reason enough for, for me to want this deal to go through. I want to see, uh, like, like Jazz brought up, Jazz does a really good job of bringing up a lot of uh, Blizzard titles that I love, right? Like, I would love to see World of Warcraft continue to shine and maybe get a shot in the arm and, like, elevate just a little bit. Um, I would love, I'm a big Warcraft 3 guy, but I would like to see some more StarCraft and some awesome RTSs coming out of that team. I'd like to take a look at Heroes of the Storm. Uh, unlike Jazz, I don't think that's a must bring back, but I think what they did in the mobile market is really, really fun and different, right? I think that's why you and I liked Pokemon Unite so much, yeah, right? Yeah, boy. get stuck in these long, dragged out Dota and League of Legends games. And it's like, just give me something just a little bit lighter, something a little bit fresh. And that's what Heroes of the Storm did. And it was a ton of fun. I don't think it was like a killer in the marketplace, especially when you're going up against those two juggernauts. But like games like that, I love seeing. So I, I hope, I hope that we can get awesome games coming out of that from Guitar Hero and things like that to more Crash, whatever. Let's have some fun. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, baby. Let's yes. go. Yes. <laughs> All right, Mike, let's move on to community Q&A real quick. We got, we got Monkey versus Tramps, who says, let's imagine a potential future. The Activision Blizzard deal has passed. Oh, what a glorious utopia that will be. Uh, 343 Studios have decided another company should have a shot of making Halo. Which of the following would you allow to make the next Halo? We got the Call of Duty team, Doom Eternal team, or Arcane. Oh. Of those three... Who are you tasking with throwing down the next Halo? To make a Halo game. Man, that's wild. Doom team. Yeah, I'd go over to the Doom team yep. is where I'd go with that. Arcane, maybe. You know, I picked Coalition over them. Call of Duty team is going to turn out the same thing that I'm already getting. So let's let the Doom team Try to elevate that and give me something fun yeah. more on the movement side, like we saw in Halo Infinite. So that's why I'll go with that one. What about you? 
I'm with you. I 100% agree. Okay. Like Doom okay. Eternal mixed with the Halo Infinite grapple and kind of expansive world. Like that's what I want to see. That's when I look at where I want Halo to go. I want them to lean more into the mobility because we know the lore for all you lore heads out there. Why are we so slow? Huh? Yeah. We talk, yeah. they talk about in the books, how you run as fast as cars. Why are we so slow in the games then? Huh? Lower fans okay. answer me that. So I want to see Halo Infinite lean into mobility a little bit more and kind of ex expand that because we are super soldiers. So I want to feel like a super soldier. But. Remember when we got into the discussion of like, should the video game have a mantle system in it and how crazy that was? It was like, yeah, of course it needs a mantle system. It's 2023. Like, Put it in there. People were like, no, no, no. Halo no, 2? No, Halo you can't could, do that. You couldn't even jump up on a ledge, man. You had to throw a grenade underneath your feet, jump off the grenade to get up to that. And you're like, or we could just have a mantle. You know what I mean? Like, that's all it takes, man. It's all it takes. People were mad about aim down sights, Mike. All right? People yes. get weird uh -huh. about Halo. It's I, wild one, Miles. Scary. Imagine playing a game in this day and age. Imagine playing a, a mainstay shooter and not being able to aim down sights in 2023. They want that game to be stuck in 20 or 2003 miles. Like it was like, you know, Halo one still. They, that's all they want. It's why don't don't get me wrong. That was a good timeline. We had, you know, bagel bites. We had surge oh, was still on man. shelves. You could still get uh, Dunkaroos like things were good. Code red. Get out code of town. Red. Bro. Things were good. All right, I get it. I get wanting to go back. But also. Come on, y'all. I'm I, <laughs> let's let's shake it up. All right. I want somebody yeah. to look at the next Halo and say it's going to be totally different than anything you've seen from Halo. Deconstruct it down to its very core and reinvent what Halo is in every conceivable way. All right. I, like I want to play like a that. Halo and just have it completely rock my world. And if it is has to adhere to what Halo was 20 years ago, that's never going to happen, guys. I love that. Mike, thanks so much for hanging out, man. Oh, We've had quite gosh, the show. Miles. We're going to wrap it up here. You've been a trooper hanging out with me for two and a half hours. Appreciate you, dude. Always love, love chatting with, with you. Miles. Um, one more time for the beautiful folks joining us. Where can they, where can they find? Hey, what up everybody? I'm Snowbike Mike from Kind of Funny Games. You can find me as one of the hosts alongside my two gaming dads, Paris and Gary Witta of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, where we bring you all the Xbox news you need to know about and have just some fun banter in between. And of course, I'm streaming five days a week over at the Kind of Funny crew on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games, where it's me and the jabronis from Kind of Funny, just having fun playing games that you love joking around, acting like idiots, and just having a fun time on the internet. So you can go find me over there. Until then, hang out with Miles, because he's about to hit episode 100, and it's going to be Ooh. a really fun celebration of all of his hard work. Ooh. And I'm so proud of uh, my, my long-lost brother. I'm just <laughs> kicking butt like usual. Mike, I love you, man. If you guys haven't, or if you're not, make sure you show Mike and the jabronis at Kind of Funny some love. They are out there every day hustling, doing great work. The latest episode of The Blessing Show. Fantastic. Very if you good. Haven't watched yes. it. The kind of funny studio. Looking fresh. Y'all looking so good on XCast these days. In in person in the studio. Uh so yeah, stoked for you guys. Stoked about everything you're doing. And yeah, I love, you know, I love popping in and watching you boys get down on some Elden Ring. You know, can't can't get enough of that juicy from soft content from kind of <laughs> you and everybody else miles is right they can't get enough of me suffering through that game <laughs> yes yes and to everyone else who tunes into the show appreciate you for joining us appreciate appreciate uh, appreciate you for hanging out 
And next week, we will be joined by Gene Park for episode 99 of Wow, awesome. Yeah, so stoked about that. Stoked to get Gene in the hot seat and get, you know, some insights from him. Because he's been, he's been, you know, in journalism for a long time. And he's had this cool transformation in the gaming space. So excited to get his perspective on a lot of stuff. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Have a beautiful week and beautiful weekend. And we'll catch you next week. Take care, everybody.